What is this motherfucking bullshit? Warning. This podcast contains scenes of explicit nonsense and lore. Previously on the Resident Evil Podcast. Outbreak. 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 Will you take the yellowish gold herb? <laughs> <laughs> Pete, what's the thing that sounds like Peter Eustonov from what I'm saying? <laughs> Is it called Eustonov? That thing that's like Nemesis. I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not going to be showing my daughter Rachel Foley artwork. I won't show her, you know, a woman with her, her boobs hanging out, but I will show her a grotesque bloated dead man. <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to episode 63 of the Resident Evil podcast. The Olympics, the Euro Championships, Wimbledon have all been cancelled, but we're still here, the sound of your summer. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, but apparently also the Trouble Tuner. Let's see who's joining us today. He's known to spend his time in a cryostasis tube waiting to be advised to attack his boss. It's Stars Tyrant. Yeah. If you own more DVDs than this man, you've probably just purchased an old blockbuster video shop. It's Rombie. <laughs> Hello. It's true, it's true. It's very true. It's very true. It's very true indeed. To recreate that authentic mansion experience when he visits his basement, his prisoner trombone player is right on cue. It's George Trevor. <laughs> Good evening, hi. And our special guest for this evening, she loves Resident Evil like Smaug loves the gold. It's the Oracle Dragon. Hello everyone. Coming up on today's podcast, we'll be looking at all the latest Resident Evil news, both gaming and site, and so much has happened since our last podcast, which of course was Biohazard Stars 3. Check it out if you haven't done so already. Our main discussion today will be our analysis and review of the add-on 4v game Resident Evil Resistance, before ending with another edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Let's start with the news. First bit of news, the August Resident Evil trailer didn't quite materialise. Despite the uh, website telling us something would happen in August, this has been pushed back to Tokyo Game Show, which starts on September the 23rd. Uh, So this month, so uh, not not too far away, put that date in your diary. So, yeah... Um, I think anyone who's been following uh, social media, who's on Discord communities, there's a lot of, come on August, come on August, and it kind of kept ticking away, and there's a bit of pressure, I think, at the end to Capcom yeah. to to release something, but, you know, it's a tad unfounded. I think. Well, I just wanted to ask us, how much should we read into that delay? And when you, were, you, you just mentioned, you know, how fair that was, so wasn't it Capcom themselves that, that made the announcement that there would be something in August? So the fact that there then wasn't, should we read too much into that? It's on. It was on their website. So when the first trailer dropped for Resident Evil 8, uh, they, they said at the end, more news coming August. So surely they organised enough, you know, a, a video game company of that size would have known 
on that date what they had to announce and what they would be announcing and and you know across what platforms and how they'd be doing it so it just seems odd that that's them retract i guess for me i mean the only thing they should have done is at least told people it was delayed at the start of september to do it like yeah i think that's really that I, I i i don't i don't think delays are an issue i think most people are pretty forgive you know will give, forgive people or the company pretty quickly for it it's just perhaps you could have announced i'm just waiting for that final trailer that just tells us everything anyway. <laughs> well that's yeah. that's standard yeah <laughs> <laughs> at least it's official yeah i think um I just think you can't plan or schedule anything in the climate that we're in at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, I was, I was about I was about to say that as well. I, I think it's very difficult. They could do the best they can. And it'd be interesting, again, what they were going to show, because there has been some pictures, uh, officially released pictures, of some of the merchandise that was coming out at Tokyo Game Show. So there's like Resident Evil Village jackets and things like that and T-shirts that you can purchase. So they're obviously planning something for TGS. Um, I, I just wonder whether they thought or perhaps what they were going to release wasn't quite ready or up to scratch because it does take a while to put these trailers together because obviously they're, you know they're, they're they're created especially for that for for an event of some sort and you know it will take some time to build up tension and whatnot within a trailer setting so perhaps they thought you know what let's save it for TGS because I don't think they're on the list originally well uh, what was I, that I, games right think that sort of over, particularly over the lot recent years Capcom haven't had the biggest showing. Mm. At either E3 or TGS, and I'm trying to think the last time a major title, Resident Evil title, main title, was kind of showcased and, and dropped at TGS. Someone will probably say, you know, RE2 last year or something, but they don't tend, do they, Capcom, over the last few years to have like the, the biggest um, presence at these big game shows? I can't, went and remind me, when did the um, final update for beginning hour launch? Was that at TGS? Blimey. What, we're going back there, 2016 now? That's four... Yeah, that would be 2016, yeah. God, blimey. <laughs> Time flies, doesn't it? <laughs> to keep that in uh, in mind, then going forward, we've got uh, Tokyo Game Show uh, coming up September twenty third. No, I don't think it's been specifically confirmed as to exactly when and what date it's happening, but uh, just keep an eye out. Also, warning for people trying to avoid leaks: there's stuff going around again. No idea as to how accurate they are, but just try and uh, try and keep it clear. Remember, our our Discord is leak free, so. If you want to join a community and be safe from leaks, then feel free I think to. the one thing, at least if you're using Twitter, it, without naming names, it, it's quite apparent who some of the kind of big personalities in the, you know, the leak fandom are. So I've managed, I don't know about you guys, sort of um, without being too careful, I've still managed to kind of avoid leaks because I kind of know which accounts to avoid. I've had to mute. <laughs> which yes, is we, the, we, yeah. Yes, we probably can guess who you've had to mute. Resistance news seems odd because we're doing resistance, but uh, in, since the last podcast, a new paid DLC has, has been released where survivors can now wear Leon and Claire outfits. Uh, there's actually, been, I think, been a couple of patches recently, so um, we can briefly just won't talk too long because we're going to be talking about the main game. But um, yeah, if you really want to dress up as Leon and Claire without being uh, able to play as Leon and Claire, now you can. I'm guessing that's just been added to the uh, skins options. 
Um, it's the first. It is the first paid DLC, whereas the content is usually um, has been free up until now. Yes, yes. There's been a few patches as well. A couple of new storyline law implication uh, patches, which has kind of got the community uh, wagging their dog tails, so to speak. Uh, we'll get onto that a bit later on. But it's good to see that Resistance continues to get that support on, on a very regular basis at the moment. Although, as we will probably allude to still some issues about the overall remit of the game and how it how these patches should be implemented but still lots coming so i'm sure i'll be saying resistance news quite frequently over the next couple of years or so we'll see how it goes remake three news oh yes uh for people like me that can't complete the games in a, in a timely fashion. The Unlock Everything DLC is now available. They did something similar with Resident Evil 2 Remake where you can uh, purchase uh, basically a key, an in-game key, and you can unlock all the weapons and all the downloadable content. Well, not downloadable content, but the you know the, the rewards, if you like, for getting all the points in the game. And that's uh, an, an option uh, available for people that don't necessarily have the time to go through it all, uh, especially some, some of the later difficulties inferno mode is known to be pretty uh, difficult especially the end nemesis boss no just as you mentioned remake i was just thinking to myself when was the last time i played that? sales figures news oh yes we do like to uh, bring everyone up to date with sales figures and this actually leads on quite nicely to what i just said so remake 3 sold 2.7 million copies in its first 3 months but compare that to Remakes 2, uh, where they sold 4.2 million copies in two months, one week. So that's quite a significant difference, I would suggest. Yeah, over what? Nearly, um, over a million and a half difference in a longer period of time as well. So the uptake for Remake 3 hasn't been quite as good as it was for Remake 2. Uh, anyone want to comment as to why you think that's happened? I, th- I think there are there are definitely two major factors. I think we've talked about this about seven sales, which is one that it's been quite heavily promoted and discounted frequently, which is good. Like that's not a bad thing. That things that you should be doing with the game over time. But the VR thing is clearly what will help because not only is it uh, like a poster child for VR on PlayStation, but it also gets bundled in the current VR one of the VR packs as well which obviously every one of those it sells sells the unit when you look at all the other ones that have sold high numbers they've all been the really actiony based titles you know 5 and 6 have both mm. you know topped around 10 million so for that alone to get as high as it is by itself is just shows you how much people have have latched onto it I, I guess the other thing I did want to touch on in regards to the sales I guess is the, the Remake 2 and Remake 3 sales because Remake 2 sold really well it's actually like on a scale of how fast it sold it sold really well but three the expectations for three were was going to sell as well if not better because of all the hype around two and clearly that just hasn't been the case it has not sold as well in its first quarter as two did i mean it's still early days um things could change but i think the star of the game and the way it reviewed and the, just the length and all that kind of put people off paying full price but that may mean it's just got longer sales be later when it's a cheaper title people go oh, i was meaning to pick that up i really did like remake 2 so i mean interesting to see where it goes and- i mean i don't know i think sort of with with 2 it kind of hit like a pinnacle in terms of exciting the sort of the old school fans and sort of you know newer people and you know many kind of like general streamers that don't necessarily focus just on resident evil were, were playing the game and 
And there was a good buzz about it. And I, that's why I think that I believe Capcom kind of rushed and wanted to get three out, you know, to kind of hit that crest of a wave, you know, of the, you know, that they got with RE2, which is why, you know, I just always feel that RE3 just feels rushed. You know, there's some fantastic highs at the beginning of the game. And then, you know, sort of sections that aren't quite thought through. And you wonder how much playtesting was put into that. Yeah, uh, well, well, uh, the, obviously the point that it's just not it's just not as good as a game. It just doesn't have as much universal appeal. Which is a shame because I I would think, like looking at the OGs, uh, the OG Resident Evil 3 is just as loved in the RE community, but perhaps not in the wider community, well, gaming community. I, I don't think it had that... Um that popularity among sort of more casual PlayStation owners as two did. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's what we're seeing here. The reason that they didn't do well in sales is because they rushed the game, because right after the accidental release of those images, Capcom thought, oh no, we better release it as soon as possible, considering everybody was demanding and hounding, release it, release it, release it, release it, you know? So instead of taking their time like they were supposed to do, they rushed it out. That's why if you look at some of the in-game files and camera hack, you'll find that there's locations where we're supposed to go to or encounters that never happen because they cut it out. Someone actually found an unused nemesis encounter at the RPD. And then there was um, a second orphanage that was behind the orphanage in the game that was laid out differently. So apparently something was going to happen in that section, but it was scrapped. So who knows what they were going to do because there was so much they they were planning, but apparently they uh, had to rush it because everybody was demanding it. That's why it's like a speedrunner's delight. And they scrapped a nemesis pursuing you because people complained about Mr. X being too difficult to get around. Wow, wow, wow. Which wow. I find is stupid because Mr. Mr. and Mr. Nemesis <laughs> Nemesis was supposed to follow you. That's how he was in the original, but oh he's too we don't like him when Mr. X keeps following us around. He's just too difficult to get around. Um you have multiple rooms, multiple corridors. You can get around him pretty easily. Well, this is really interesting because I didn't know about this. So I, I take the point about Mr. X and Nemesis is spot on. Um, I think one of our criticisms was that Nemesis is more Nemesis with Mr. X or, you know, the Mr. X in Resident Evil 2 is more like Nemesis and the Nemesis in Resident Evil 3 is more like Mr. X. I did think that because I remember when we played the demo of Resident Evil 3, we went into one of the shops... I can't remember which one, um, where there looks to be a downstairs part to it. And I remember everyone going, oh, yeah, we'll definitely be able to explore that. They've just blocked it off for the uh, for, for the demo. But that never materialised as well. So I, I do wonder if there was going to be uh, a greater sense of exploration in that part of the, the kind of uptown area as well. I'm trying to remember if someone did a camera hack or right. something, they found out some information through data mining that... We were going to have expanded areas to explore, but they decided not to do it. I do wonder. I'm going to how... have to relook that up. Yeah, I do wonder how much was it because I mean, a lot of the game was leaked by March, February time. You know, we knew sadly it was going what, what going around that you know the game started in Jill's apartment. Um, it started off. I think we knew it started in, off in first person. So I do, I do wonder if it, you're right there, uh, Oracle, whether there was a bit of a push to get it out. Oh, I remember um that, that gas station um, that we encountered in the game, where eventually where Carlos has to shoot the gas tanker to stop Nemesis. If I remember correctly, somebody actually camera hacked into that area, and it's fully detailed and stuff. Like you were able to explore it, but they only use it for a cutscene. Oh, what the whole cool part outside Jill's apartment that you just kind of casually yeah, um, walk through? 
think if you um, I think after you leave the subway there's like a pathway that leads to a gas station but it's blocked off and you can only see it in the distance and then when you come back and you're fleeing from Nemesis Carlos manages to save you this is when he has the rocket launcher I think or the flamethrower he shoots the gas the tanker that's full of gas and he he rolls in dramatically as they close the doors. That area was supposedly fully detailed, and you can actually explore it if you camera hacked. Yeah, you can actually go into the um, the, like the gas station um, shop, and it's all detailed with shelves and everything like that. Well, this is probably why a lot of people didn't like the games because they rushed it. It's a it's a speedrunner's delight, and you can't explore, and there's no decision making. Wow, wow, wow! There we go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's um, it's upsetting as well because, you know, if if you wanted to appeal to the speedrunners, that's fine. But Resident Evil Two is a good speedrunners game, but at the same time, it still allowed you to do a lot of the exploration. It kind of ticked both boxes. Yeah, because if you um look at the time differences between playing Remake Two and Remake Three, you can see that Remake Three is very, very, very quick because it's a linear path. You just go this way, keep going. Yeah, you beat the game. Well, thank you for sharing that, Aaron. That was, uh, that was fascinating. But let's have a look. More re- they uh, Capcom updated all their um, sales figures as well. So um, this is a good one, guys. Get ready for this. <laughs> so, oh, I, I, I think what's coming. So, but also going back to the period. So, Resident Evil Seven sold three point five million copies in two months, one week. So again, less than Resident Evil Two, but more so than Resident Evil Three. But Resident Evil Six sold four point five million, and Resident Evil Five sold four point four million. In his first three but months. but but what but what does this make Resident Evil Seven now, Nick? Yes, why do you seem always reluctant to say it? Well, I'm I'm glad <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you asked, gentlemen. So the overall <laughs> figures have been released by Capcom, mm. and it's good news for Resident Evil Seven. Now the series' biggest selling single generation game, at a whopping seven point nine million units, overtaking some games set in Africa with Chris and Sheva, Resident <laughs> Evil Five, <laughs> which is seven point seven million. I, I honestly think this is one of the best success stories in you know the series could have to be honest because what a way to send such a positive message to Capcom. I know Seven has its has its you know its critics and it doesn't work for everybody, but it was you know in so many ways a return to form after after six, and it reminds me of the success that um, the remake HD remaster got when it became like the best-selling PSN title of all time when it was released or something. Yeah. And I just, you know, these are really positive messages to send to Capcom that, you know, this is the direction that people really do want as opposed to, yeah. you know, Umbrella Core. I, yeah, and I was actually thinking about this the other day in terms of, I hope Capcom just take this on board. Yeah, well, I have, or it's already too late now if they haven't taken this on board when they were developing and doing the design for Resident Evil 8 for Village. Because, yeah, just like Sean, I just think it's so fantastic. And not, not, you know, I'm not like sort of lording it over Resident Evil 5 and putting it down. It, it, 5, the story that it gives, the narrative to the series is just, just, is fantastic. Yeah, it's just brilliant, you know, because I think we were, we were all quite concerned what the universal appeal would be to the HD remasters or remake. And yeah, I can remember when we found out that the, that the online sales were so, were so high, that was fantastic. And it just feels wonderful, doesn't it? That, that you know, the ingredients that drew us to this series in the first place are now the same ingredients. And I, I'm like, like you know, people like me and Sean that, 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 that are such fans of Resident Evil 7, we don't think that it's flaw, flawless. You know, there are a lot of problems with Resident Evil 7, but, but like many have said, you know, Sean mentioned just now, it was a return back to those ingredients, and I, yeah, I think it's just fantastic. 
just to balance it out a bit though for uh, people that don't necessarily like that so uh, as I said Resident Evil 5 sold 7.7 .7 million copies and Resident Evil 6 7.6 .6 million copies Resident Evil 5 is still cumulatively the biggest selling game with total sales of over 11 million but then um, that's been over a few consoles and two generations of course Remake 2 is already at 7.2 million and is likely to become number one at some point. Um, which again is great because um, regardless of perhaps the Cliff Notes version of Resident Evil 2. It's still a wonderful Resident Evil slash survival horror experience. So um, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. pleased for that as well. So Remake 2 doing very well. Resident Evil 7 doing very well. I think the point, Nick, the point with 7 isn't that it's it, it's it's top and that we all want it to be top. And yeah, you're right, Resident Evil 2 will come to overtake it. It's just the fact that it wasn't a flop, frankly. Just the fact that it was a success is 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 really, really important and significant for the direction of this series going forward. Next bit of news, Resident Evil is getting a mobile phone crossover. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, sadly, not quite a new mobile phone, but it's, it's, a, it's a crossover with the game Life After. Uh, this was released not too long ago, actually, on the 27th of August, available on, on the App Store and Google Play. We got a brand new trailer which showed Jill being more more unlike Alice from the films, but there we go. And a certain Albert Wesker overseeing things standing up high. Yeah, there's a bit of a continuity error there in that yeah. freaking trailer. So it's not... RE4 Leon and an RE5 oh, Wesker yeah. in Raccoon City. <laughs> <laughs> And yes. you just know someone some someone out there is deliciously rubbing their hands thinking, How can I justify this in the canon? <laughs> It goes in the same timeline as when Mr. X turned up in Monster Hunter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's another crossover event, but it's it. I don't know a lot about Life After. I, I, I in fact never heard of it until this came out. So um, yeah, I haven't heard any bad things. But on the flip side, I haven't heard any good things about the crossover. It's been quite silent. If it's been as it's been out for about a week now, so silence is not great, I suppose. As they say, Mark, it, it, I've it, seen people already complain as to why it's Leon and Ada and not Claire. Oh, really? Okay. And yeah, because you... they keep milking Leon. What I'm seeing in the trailer, it looks like you might um, form a team and explore, or you play with other players, and you basically go to areas, shoot zombies, go to another area, fight a boss, look for supplies, and stuff like that. There's uh, the Executioner, Mr. X, and Nemesis in this game. Oh, Plus, for some reason, the Cerberuses look more alive than dead. Yeah, because when they first revealed that trailer, it's like, why do they look alive? They're just like, rawr, rawr, rawr. Where's the blood? Where's the gore? Where's the bones? Nope, they look like normal dogs wagging their tails. <laughs> so they look like the dogs from the uh, from the live action films, just with a pretty much <laughs> just with a clearly with a um, a bit of leather or whatnot strapped over their uh, strapped over their backs. Talking of Alice, oh yes, the 4K ultra high definition collection for the Anderson movies is coming, oh yes, on the 3rd of November. <laughs> now the question that you're obviously asking yourselves at home, why should I be interested? Well the answer is you probably shouldn't, but if you are a big fan of the films, and you know, why not, why not, the uh, version of Apocalypse is an extended edition. 
which, as far as I know, has never been released. Yeah, never been released before. I it's think it's been available in Germany before. In Germany, no? I was about to yeah. say. I think I've, I've heard it was on Germany. I wasn't sure if it actually got a digital, a, a yeah, physical it, release. It has. That, that has been confirmed, and it's basically just an insert of the, some of the deleted scenes into the movie. Oh, is it okay? So okay, yeah. okay, you can't get that excited then. <laughs> if you work <laughs> remotely, getting excited. But this is they're going to be released as a 4K UHD collection. They're already available in 4K. At least some of them are. Yeah. So now it's coming in a, a rather nice nice looking kind of box collection just to round that out so um the only question is is uh, as a result of this is um how much did it cost to put your pre-order down nick <laughs> i have not pre-ordered i i i've, I've got i've got final chapter on uhd <laughs> <laughs> but that was pure that was purely in preparation for our audio commentary whenever we do that Honestly, on a 4K basis, I don't know about the first movie, but I'd say the majority of them are going to hold up on a visual level pretty well. Um, the fact that the middle ones were shot on, you know, the pace camera in 3D, um, you know, pretty high definition, a couple of phantoms rigged together, I think. P- probably a nice set, but, you know, it doesn't change the quality of the films. <laughs> so, you know, for someone who hasn't ever watched them, if it's a good price for, for six films, you know, yeah, all power to them, but uh, I don't see it joining my collection. More live-action Resident Evil news, and you'd have to be living under a rock to have not noticed this bit of news. The Resident Evil Netflix TV series is coming soon. Oh yes, announced recently, the limited series takes on Resident Evil in 8 by one hour episodes. The showrunner is Andrew Dabb, who uh, previously has worked with Super, uh, on, on Supernatural. Uh, Brown Hughes worked on Walking Dead, and Bro uh, Bronwyn Bronwyn will, will direct the first two episodes. So, what is this going to be about? Well, is this going to be a really cleverly written, intricate storyline, perhaps detailing the early involvement of the Raccoon Police Department in an eerie, atmospheric, creepy environment? Are we going to see uh, murder-type investigations? Perhaps hints of uh, zombies and Cerberus in the forest. No, the Stars TV show that we've all wanted. Yeah, is it going to be that? No, it's not. We're going to be talking about Billy and Jade Wesker. Who are they? Oh yes, yeah, the fourteen-year-old kids of Albert Wesker. Brace yourself. So this got announced on uh, Twitter and all things. And if I was to say it hasn't gone down particularly well, would that be a fair assessment? Um, I think it's been widely despised, Nick. To be honest, um, you know. Resident Evil fans are, hard, are stubborn and oft difficult to please, but I think everyone's been unified in just bewilderment, really, more than anything. It's not necessarily even like an anger. It's just more a kind of, how did a concept like this get greenlit? Of all the world and all the lore and all the you know interesting stories in the characters, you could potentially tell within this universe and keep it well within canon as well. Like, this is what not only someone came up with, but also has been greenlit and funded. I think that's been the real shocker. The weird thing to me is that the juxtaposition is that I read it and it feels like it's definitely trying to market this more at a teen level, right? You've got a teenage group and an adult group. Some of them are trying to have their cake and eat it too. Because the thing is, that's been doing really well on Netflix lately is obviously these like really high profile action movies. Yeah, you know, a lot of these have got big stars and you know they've got big budgets and stuff, but they're doing really well. They're all in their like top ten most watched objects. So you'd probably go, hey, if we're gonna make a series that's based on a video game and it's quite actiony and the movies are actiony, like 
you know, I I would have understood more if it was more in key with the movies because you would at least go, oh, Netflix is just cashing in on the fact that action content. You know, I I think I could say a million things about the plot. I I joked about on the Resident Evil fan Twitter about this because I I woke up and I sat down to read what was going on and I saw all this reaction going, "Oh my god, rescue kids." What's going on with this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, what's this? And they read through it all, read through all the comments. I was like, wow, this is like back in 2000, 2001, <laughs> when there was the reveal of like what was happening with the Resident Evil movie. All of a sudden, it had like a homicidal computer in it. And everyone was like, a homicidal computer? That's not Resident Evil. Yeah, and uh, so I had a field day, as far as I was concerned. I was just highly entertained by it all. It's deja vu <laughs> from 2000. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be too quick to condemn it, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But I think I just heard what you were just saying, you know, the, the shock that it's got to this stage where, like you say, it's been green, that it's all official, it's been confirmed. It, it does really irk that, you know, you hear the term Wesker children and you think of that fantastic file from Lost in Nightmares. And, and that's a great narrative piece to the series with Alex Wesker. And and you think maybe they take, they're using that to kind of have a connection with Wesker, but at the same time, a different take. So maybe they're using one of the Wesker kids, but... From what we've heard, you know, I made a joke about the Brady Bunch online, but it, I am a little bit worried. <laughs> it, does, it does, yeah. It, it, it's set, set in New joke. Raccoon City, isn't it? New, new Raccoon City. I mean, this is something what Doctor Who does in New New York, which they've they called well, it. What does episode. that even mean, New Raccoon City? <laughs> it, it means about the same thing as Neo Umbrella. It's being so frightened of actually going in new directions and things like that that you have to sort of pander to nostalgia by bringing back the Wesker name and Raccoon City. This is why I love Resident Evil 7, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Is it literally like a parallel universe? Is it kind of just take... Is it like a reimagining? Is that what it is? Well, no one one knows, really. I mean, the thing is, episode one uh, did leak about six months ago and was distributed amongst the fandom if you knew the places to look and whatnot. it's, It's not good. In all honesty, but I won't say anything about it because obviously it's it'll be classed as spoilers and things like that. There's two timelines it's set in, and one is I think it's 2022, and the other timeline is 15 years later. And Raccoon Two is very much a thing, yeah, or or the new Raccoon. I think it was Raccoon Two in the original in that in the leaked script, and it's now been changed to New Raccoon. But Wesker having two daughters is very much within part of the story. Yes. Billy and Jade, Wesker. Jade, Jade and Billy. Yeah, yeah. We could have had Which something... Which I find is weird because <laughs> there's uh, two characters in that script that are two characters from my story. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Someone's been yes. stealing your These characters your were made years ago and they're like, hey, we're going to take these characters and we're going to put it in our script. It's strange that there's... Very similar to that fan fiction character. Hmm. Um, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't submit your story to Capcom at that point, did you? Or just, just, I uh, wish, because I would like to see it actually publicized or something and be like, oh, cool. Um, yeah, I, that's fine. <laughs> you, you know how much we're all like anti-leak and anti-spoiler within the Discord and the podcast and everything, but I'm going to give you this juicy tidbit from um, the leaked script. Okay, you ready? Um, it might not make it to the final episode, of course, but in the leaked script, there is a dog called Pablo. There you go. Hey, Pablo. Pablo. <laughs> Pablo, wow. what a name, eh? Is it, as you, no, George, exactly what you said. I mean, in theory, they could... It's so easy, this world, to make something unique. They could have used the Wesker children. We could have seen 
finally Derek Wesker in all his glory, couldn't they? <laughs> you know, and Derek Wesker. <laughs> yeah, any of them. It could have just gone off on their own little tangent. And you know what? If if, if you wanted to include it, why not? But I don't know. I just don't see why it's that difficult to make a Resident Evil TV show. No, I mean I can remember when we discussed. Do you remember when that art clay concept kind of uh, yeah. dropped? That then later became Dave, uh, and I can remember Batman on our podcast sort of talking about how a narrative could work. Talked about like a TV drama, I think set sort of in around Raccoon City, and we sort of, I think we mentioned Stoneville, and then he sort of I'm sure Batman mentioned something about you know we could have like Wesker could make a cameo, or you know Brian Irons, you you know you could see some of the way that Wesker say suppressing evidence in in an investigation, and these characters could come in and make little cameos. So you know yeah, it can be done. The other part of it that we we've, we've got to touch on is really not you know, someone comes up with an idea that they agree with or that, you know, someone pitched an idea that was just different for the sake of being different and they went with it because they went, you know, like, it's not that the, the films weren't profitable, but more that, you know, this is an opportunity on a different platform. The thing about Netflix is that, as far as I'm aware, the studio makes an agreement because obviously it's really hard to, like, say, it's not like you're going into the movie theatre and paying five bu- five pounds or whatever to, to watch a, a something. You have to you have to split the number of views over and pay a percentage based off the subscriber's fee. I think there's a Netflix film coming up recently which has got, like, a $200 million budget. It's, like, one of the highest budgets they've spent on. Equivalently, they've got about 200 million subscribers. So essentially it would be like taking a dollar from every single subscriber they've currently ever got and putting that into a film so it shows you but when when you when someone watches part or a whole of a film or a tv show on netflix the production company that owns that if it isn't netflix takes its cents like it's per it's per, per view so many cents so you know you might get I don't know, eight cents because i watched an episode of this or five cents because i watched this movie so you've got to think that a lot of these have to, to add up over the cost of thousands and thousands so it's it's a it's an interesting way of doing it so it's definitely got some risk in the design so the way they've got to make it appeal is appeal to the netflix demographic and there's probably all sorts of stuff that netflix can tell you as a production company if you're going to make something on their platform and it's got a certain genre to it you want to make it appealing to a certain group and so i wouldn't be surprised if this whole idea about having two timelines is to try and appeal to a wider to have like a young group to appeal for like teenagers and maybe 20 year olds and then like an adult group that will appeal with any kind of post-apocalyptic kind of thing that's going to appeal to like an older or people will perhaps more likely to make a franchise. But, I mean, I'm just, this is a hypothesis. It could be completely off base. I won't know what the end result is, I guess. Mm, interesting, though. Especially about the net. I didn't know that's how actually Netflix operates. I don't, I don't want to trash it. And to try and, like, not to be negative, even though it's it's very difficult. But, like, I've, if anyone saw the interview with uh, with uh, Andrew Dabb, it, 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 it reeks of the same interview that Paul Anderson gave in the promo to the original Resident Evil movie. So, you know, he's basically bludgeoning us in this interview that he's, you know, the biggest fan of Resident Evil in the world. You you know, you'll struggle to find a bigger fan than I am of the series. I just honestly say, you know, if, if you really truly are, this is what you came up with, honestly. That concludes our gaming news. We now move over to our site news. And first up, we'd like to thank our new patrons who have joined us uh, since the last podcast. So a big shout out and thank you to the following RPGs and Death Metal. Thank you very much. Did I Ask for Fries? Thank you. Luke Marriott, Benny and the Jets, Colin Colhoven, a.k.a. Fladcap, Silek and Charlie Soundhouse. Thank you so much for your contributions. 
and your support. Uh, if you're interested in becoming a patron, then head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash the Resident Evil podcast, and you can find out all about our benefits. And actually, it's worked out quite nicely because you may may have noticed but thanks to our uh, supporters we've been able to upgrade our website so we've now moved over to a new server so things should run a little bit quicker than it did before if you are browsing the timeline which is obviously still the the main uh, focal point then uh, just as a little tidbit download it uh, it should open up in a uh, in a pdf and you should be able to just do a kind of file save as and download it to your uh, to your computer or phone or whatnot and then um, that's bit better than kind of running it off the pdf off the website so that's my little tip this upgrade came at exactly the right time because site news you may have seen that uh, podcast staff member Batman who's taken a little break for the time being he had an interview with Eurogamer mag- uh, website well worth checking out and reading uh, all about Batman's experiences in bringing the timeline into fruition you can find that on the Eurogamer website um, slightly older news now but if you go onto our website and look on the news it should be there you may have to click on the older news entries but you'll find a link to that interview with Batman uh, that was done so a big thanks to Eurogamer for your for, well, for contacting Batman about it and uh, yeah we were more than happy to oblige so um, well worth uh, checking that out as well I just want to say um, as someone who's you know in you know as part of my Resident Evil history within this community written uh, a timeline of sorts many many years ago what John's accomplished here is far beyond anything I would have ever had the time or effort to be able to do it, it truly is an astonishing piece of work and I know that you know I know there's people out there who um, you know, disagree with with certain theories of his and whatnot, but that shouldn't come in. That shouldn't get in the way of the fact that this has been a labour of a love. And you know, even if you just have a passive interest or a hardcore interest in this series, just like you know, just please appreciate that the effort that this you know this guy's given ten years of his life to do this. And obviously, he's not here to be able to to sort of speak about it now. So I'm kind of speaking on his behalf in a sense. But you know, I, I know he's proud of it. We're all you know just proud to be affiliated in some distant way with it it's a great piece of work thanks to Eurogamer for obviously doing it because it's just so nice to see success stories within this community don't happen often and it's it's genuinely nice to to be so close to one you know happening you know and, and, and being affiliated with with Batman is a genuine honor so uh, yeah thanks to everybody who's read supported tweeted everything like that so it's been brilliant and then the recognition that he's getting because you know as we as we know being close to him over the years he's not one of these people to kind of seek out that recognition or to do this timeline you know to to, to sort of get plaudits or anything you know he goes about his business or sort of his passion very quietly and and we know you know there's so many people in the community have have benefited of, you know even very recently since it's had this you know since it's been out in the news have used batman's timeline for their own work and their own things so you know i just th- thanks for uh, um, for people appreciating it but I hope in the future you know if anyone does find it useful that you know always you know uh, give a little credit and a little shout because yeah it, it, it's great recognition it's been a labour of love for many many years So our Resident Evil Extinction audio commentary is now available on Podbean and YouTube so we have had quite a lot of Paul Anderson related media uh, this podcast but never mind so Sean this was your first watch of Resident Evil Extinction it was indeed and how did you enjoy it sir (laughs) 
it it does it does benefit from actually being um, made by a filmmaker. This one, you know, this, <laughs> this, 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 this is this is Russell Mul Mulcaney, I think is how you pronounce his name, who is obviously famous for Highlander, and it, it, you know it's very cinematically shot. But you know, yikes! Is it like mis? It's just it's all over the place, pace wise. It's really misguided the narrative and the fact that it doesn't necessarily it, it sort of exists. Because I've seen most of Afterlife, so I know where it goes after it. And it feels very out of place within its own continuity. Ian Glenn is kind of great, but he's not given enough to do. And then he just becomes a weird, like almost dead aim homage tyrant at the end. Um, uh, uh, But the the telegraphing and everything of most most of the movie is, is clear as day. Oh, look, they're in the laser hallway for the tyrant fight. I wonder how Ian Glenn's going to die here. You know, it, it's just that kind of thing. It's it's all a bit predictable. It's still a mess. And the best bits still, you know, and I don't mean to, you know, to, to hate on it too much, but it, it's like the best bits are when Alice isn't on screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's true. It's true. It's true. You're right. That's a good point, actually. Other site news, Resident Evil podcast supporter and long-term friend of the show, The Selfish Gene, has produced a rather handy video detailing the differences of Resident Evil 2's original Nightmare Mode. Oh, yes. Although Nightmare Mode is now becoming quite a, a, a kind of staple of some modes, it was actually done way back in Resident Evil 2, exclusively on the Dreamcast and the PC version. And there are lots of subtle differences between those versions and the normal kind of hard mode, as you would have inferred, Nightmare being... Uh, particularly difficult and uh, Selfish Gene has produced a video for us which you can see on our YouTube channel and again we've linked it on our website as well but I thought that was a fascinating video because a lot of the information that he showed that I never knew about so I think he gives an example right at the end one zombie taking 32 bullets to kill (laughs) I knew about Nightmare Mode and I knew it was difficult but basically, now I think you've got your inspiration for the remake of Two Zombies being so robust. Because, like, Gene basically describes as, like, you know, the the the, rem- the rest of the enemies in the game haven't had much in the way changed. But it's it's mainly, like, a reduced ammo count and very, very hard to kill zombies. And that's, in a sense, Remake 2 in a nutshell, isn't it? Mm, yeah. You know, it's Remake 2 was more about disabling the zombies as opposed to actually yeah. destroying them. So check out that video from Gene. It's also quite amusing because you can see how, how many... Uh... ammunition it takes to knock down Brad who is now literally a monster in this game final bit of site news uh, talk about me which I don't like to do too much but I have been on the streams again so brace yourself ladies and gentlemen but the final two parts of Resident Evil Zero have been completed uh, that went quite well and that was me showcasing well, obviously one of the most controversial titles in the in the series I would suggest and we're also back in the Resident Evil 7 series as well oh yes so the latest is up plenty of jump scares we are experiencing the Lucas booby traps and an extremely tense Jack battle as well in in the boathouse, all <laughs> uh, all available on our YouTube t- YouTube page, uh, which was originally done on Twitch. So feel free to check that out. That does conclude all our news. Bit of a monster news session this time. But with that being said, we'll now turn our attention to the main discussion of this podcast. It's Resident Evil Resistance. That did not turn out as I expected.
Resident Evil Resistance, the add-on to Resident Evil 3, a free download to play when you install the game. It's a separate download, of course, on uh, off your Resident Evil 3 disc. This was very much the replacement for Operation Mad Jackal, which to most people is one of the best mini-games that's ever been uh, released by Capcom as part of, a, of, of an add-on. So it had quite large whole, uh, shoes to fill, should we say. But this game is significantly larger than Operation Mad Jackal. It's very much its own thing, and for all intents and purposes, it's its own separate game, which is why we've uh, basically commissioned its own entire podcast to it. Lots of trepidation with this. Again, it's Capcom testing the waters, should we say, with a different style of play and using the Resident Evil franchise to see how it works within that within that genre. So the question we'll be asking ourselves today is, did it work and what are overall views on it? So we'll start with some preliminary thoughts and I want to get the initial thoughts of our special guest, which is Oracle Dragon. So Aaron, what's your kind of like a couple of, couple of sentences, a couple of paragraphs, if you like, about Resistance and uh, what you thought overall of it? Ah, oh, what I thought about it. Let's see. Resistance is pretty fun as long as you are paced properly instead of rushing through it. Uh, nice environments, interesting creatures and stuff they added into it. Good weapon choices. Pace of the game. And sometimes you can find hidden Easter eggs if you look carefully. So yeah. Bonjour, mon ami. Lovely. Well, that's wonderful. That we're, we're, we're lovely and positive. Let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Star Star. <laughs> Ill will toward this game. I think. Um, no, you don't. No, you don't. You know, as we'll as we'll get into great detail, it's founded on a um a, a solid idea. It it it's the closest you're going to have to a spiritual successor to Outbreak, but at the same time, it falls far short of like what Outbreak was able to achieve nearly you know 17 18 years ago there's big questions that i've got to ask which we will do over the you know the course of the discussion but it basically boils down to you know let's give this discussion a heading which is you know what is resistance's problem is it a lack of ambition or a lack of budget that's where i'll sort of uh, leave my leave my initial findings we will see who is better with the devices you know this game do you not George Trevor. Sorry, I must apologize in advance because my experience with this game is limited. I played the, the, the beta version very early on, like the demo when it came out with Oracle yep. Dragon. We had a quick game, didn't we? And I definitely like the concept. You know, I like the idea. I often think that Operation Raccoon City gets a, a hard time when you think about kind of the, 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 um, the ability for us to play online sort of characters within the Resident Evil universe online each with different you know characteristics specific you know like special abilities and how that can work together so I think it was quite ambitious and I, and I like the idea and I always thought in the beginning was it kind of to test the waters for an eventual outbreak three mm. so while the general style I'm not a fan of I'm more I've always been happy to have these extra bonus games like we had you know mercenaries and mad jackal and these things at the end of our original re2 and re3 it's always been important to me the the story, the the narrative of those games, how they can you know influence the canon, and that was a that's been a big concern of mine. Um, it, you know, is, is is how you know you know hearing that Alex Wesker is going to return, and you know I'd rather see these characters return in proper mainline titles than these kind of you know 
bonus mini games and how many more characters as well i found it very difficult to sort of engage with the, the another new set of kind of teenage characters i like your spirit but you are lacking the strategy well we'll come to that that's yeah, going to yeah. be our first kind of main point but rombi what's your uh, initial thoughts on resistance I, I think going back to what we were talking about just before about the sales thing obviously that has a certain dent in the expectations of a free mode attached to a main game that it's selling as perhaps could have to the overall and then you add the element of the fact there's a lot of people on there who just looked at it or you know popped it on and installed it once and then went ugh this isn't me this isn't what I was expecting that kind of um, I think that's a mistake I think not in the sense that they shouldn't uh, you know try it they may not like it but I think two things having it as a separate installer was a really bad idea I think it should have been something that you put access through the menu of three and I think there should have been tie over elements for three like you obviously go through and get points for unlocking things in 3. There should have been bonuses that you unlocked in Resistance, even though cosm- cosmetic ones, just for finishing all content in 3, which could, would have given people more incentive to jump between that game. Beside from that, I, I, I feel pretty conflicted about it. I, I think I agree in some ways there's a lot of good ideas going on, but hampered by a lot of shortcomings and not some 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 thought in certain areas and not in others and especially and i'm sure we'll get to it just the imbalance that capcom seems to be constantly i control everything here so a bit like for me a bit like george it's not it's it's not really my type of game and in, 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 in many ways it goes completely against the grain as what i like to do in resident evil people who've ever watched my streams will know i'm probably a bit methodical when i play resident evil I, I know how i play my games i'll go into a room i'll examine the room i'll d- explore every inch of said room to get my spare get my surroundings and then move on to the first door that i can and go into that room and do exactly the same thing come back out and then go and so forth when we when i played the game uh, that's what i was instinctively wanting to do it's got in the re engine uh, it looks like remake 2 but you don't get that opportunity to have a have an explore because you've got a whacking great countdown timer coming down. So yeah, uh, online games don't have nick mode. They do not have nick. No, they do not. So I was up against it. So that's that's where I'm where I'm coming from. But for people who haven't played the game, it, it's it's a it's a four v one. I.e., you have five players in it. Four players act, uh, will be chosen as the survivors, and you can choose which character. And then the other person plays as a mastermind, whereby they choose another character to then try and kill the other four in an asymmetrical battle royale simulation type mode. Uh, quite a popular mode, I'm told. <laughs> oh, it, it, you know, in, in online games, and I think there's a Silent Hill one coming out, isn't there? With oh, Dead the, by Daylight. De- 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 by daylight. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's it's clearly got some legs online. So a lot of this will be pairing it to how other games, and I think um, Friday the Thirteenth is also another. Yeah, and yeah. the Predator, Predator one as well. And the Predator. So yeah, a bit like when I think when we reviewed Operation <laughs> Raccoon City, which you can check out on our Podbean pages. It's it's by how does this game not only compare to how Resident Evil fans like it, but it's also how it compares to source material. If you you know that, that, that you're that you're basing it upon, 
so slant six should have done a good job because they have a lot of they had a lot of expertise with with that type of squad based game so this is what we're going to be looking at can is this a good 4v1 game primarily is it a good resident evil game so that's looking at it so the first area i think we should focus on are the characters because inevitably that is where you know people get to choose who they want to be and you have a uh, selection and assortment of brand new characters that george alluded to again they're kind of like t- they, you describe them all as teenagers they're not all teenagers <laughs> i don't think so there are i think six survivors um, that you can choose seven if you include jill so each of them has their own special powers whereby they can do different things and they, they all fulfill a different role within your team so um if we start with the first one a lovely lady called january van sant she is a computer hacker and works at news comet uh, law fans of these of the series will know that that's uh, already part of the existing canon, which is quite a nice little teaser slash Easter egg. I love, I love the also how the hacking person works for a newspaper, impl- implicating the idea that newspaper people hack into everything these days. <laughs> they do, and that's true. absolutely, absolutely. And yes, law fans, it Alyssa is indirectly referenced in her bio, so she is. Yes, there, there we go. go. So another little link to outbreak. Now she has the ability to to, to use EMP, doesn't she, to be able to take out some of the cameras. So mastermind use the cameras to be able to look around the the, the playing area the environments and she can take yeah, them out anyone who's played remake 2 as ada it's basically that same concept you target a camera you hit your button and uh, it fills a time bar up and then when the time bar is completed the camera's disabled yes that's right and and then that helps the the the, the other team members is she a good character to players january is is you could argue is one of the most essential ones because she she basically works to slow down the mastermind and the, you know the slower the mastermind's able to work and she gets like other abilities later which, which makes like the mastermind unable to to move cameras for 15 seconds that's that can be like a variation of a fever skill which is the, the skill that builds over time and then you can use it in a limited capacity i would say most good teams will have a january in all honesty so yeah so january's got this ability what what's what, what's she like in terms of you know abilities to not get eaten well she she gets a starting pistol and one of her latest skill unlocks is actually really fun because it, it gives her a random chance to get a special uh, a special weapon out of the item box that you get at the start of each round so for example i think you were there nick when we did our um our learning stream or we was did, it yes. was it uh, the other night with ugt the first item box of a session had the rocket launcher in it straight away and then in the second round the mini uh, the minigun was there so by round two, as January, I had one pistol and a rocket launcher and a minigun. Lovely. <laughs> so that's just one of her um, one of her skill sets uh, enables uh, that as a potential. She's very handy to have on the team. She she is because you know what I would say is working within a cohesive unit. If like a January in your team has that, you know you would obviously buy the minigun and then drop it off to like a damage dealing character. And things like that. It's all about you know working as a unit and in perfect harmony. A January wouldn't hoard all the weapons herself because there's no there's there's not as much benefit to do that. The little cogs of your mind are spinning, spinning, but they do not connect. We. So then we've got Valerie, Valerie Harmon. Now she is a student. Now what's quite nice here, uh, George, you would have noted that uh, she is friends with Yoko from Resident Evil Outbreak. Now, she acts as... (laughs) (laughs) You did notice notice this, George. You did. Now, Yoko is the kind of healer of the team. 
and she's able to use lots of first aid sprays and can uh, also help the term is kind of like point in the direction of other items for other players so she can go into rooms kind of scout it out and that's who I tended to play as but mainly out of fear I think more than anything else because I mm. think if she's got the herbs then I'll be safer but that's you can kind of tell I, other people where the items are yeah uh, and also apparently uh, enemies can drop more explosive items one of the uh, one of the skills that also is impacted there I didn't know that one but there we go no, I don't know yeah, well, I think because the enemies can drop ammo, can't they, in this? Mm. And apparently... Uh, I, only, I only thought uh, maybe it's the um, supply zombie. Yeah, I, I think... I, yeah, perhaps, yeah. I think she's more likely to drop... When her, if, if you're doing it, then she's more... Uh, they're more likely to drop... Yeah, one of her uh, various skill variants is surplus. Causes a killed creature to possibly drop grenades or flash grenades. Yeah, that's great. Then. So I liked Valerie. I thought I thought she was a cool character. She she also shares the Yoko trait in that she has a backpack which gives her. I think Aaron, you'll have to probably correct me. Is it two extra item slots as a you know? She, she's the only one that has extra. That would almost certainly have been a, a plus uh, point for me playing. She does. I like Valerie the best. Hmm, she's cool. And again, um, Nick, if you were if you were wanting to know, she's essential in, in many ways to any good team because damage and infection so high. And and anyone who plays resistance will tell you like infection can be a real problem because it has a, a mechanic in it where every few seconds your character will like stagger and cough. And while they're in the cough animation, you can't do anything. You can be locked in this coughing animation Valerie's healing spray which is her fever skill will actually er eradicate the infection as well I was playing a game a couple of days ago where I was Tyrone there was a lot of monsters in this particular game and I was taking a lot of damage and a lot of infection and I had a Valerie who was just support healing all the way through and it, it honestly made it it was the difference so I would say Valerie is is close to essential as well in a, in a, in a good unit a good team mm. Rob I think did you play as Valerie a lot? I played as Valerie and and played as all four at various points, but I ended up as Valerie and Jen probably the most out of players when I and the yeah the a lot of a lot of um I guess ones like like personnel support, ones tech support essentially. All the play the thing the thing that helps the game is that all all the players can be usable. I mean yeah, you benefit of the game, but also part of the problem because if you if you have a well oiled machine and all four people will be well, it's great and it, and you've got a good chance against the mastermind. But the problem is if two of your players or one of your players doesn't know the game very well or decides to goof off, then it can make everything... My friends. Wah, wah. So one of the characters there you were talking about as well was Tyrone. He's from Raccoon Fire Department, which, of course, again, is mentioned quite heavily in uh, Resident Evil Outbreak, the Hellfire campaign. Now, he is defined as the tank character. So he's quite a uh, imposing, bulky character who can take a lot of hits, and he's able to give morale boosts and comes with a sweet chin music power kick as a kind of melee attack on which is very very useful that kick can whenever they use like the uh, mr x or nemesis and they somebody gets grabbed his kick can actually free you from that attack and that's i've seen that used so many times to save so many players it's like oh thank you <laughs> close call there especially if you have no ammo or nobody's there to help you he comes running in kicks the guy you're free get out of there is it is it that effect it could be that effective can it within within even yes. within the close combat we saw you uh, Sean you played a bit as, as Tyrone you gave me the, the the demo my main is like Jill but a lot of people like to grab Jill as quickly as they can so Tyrone is always is always my go-to character of the main survivors it used to be Becca but I've moved to Tyrone since then he's just a really good damage dealer um, melee's really really useful in resistance and he excels in melee quite well and obviously the kick is 
is so super effective at interrupting a lot of enemies. You can literally run through a door, and if there's if if, if a mastermind has spent time like putting loads of enemies by the doorway of a room, one kick will literally floor all of them. So he's really, really as a point man, if you like, someone to sort of lead the charge. Tyrone's I actually think is a better character than Samuel to be honest because of things like the kick for spacing and whatnot and he can also knock down doors quicker a later skill will also allow you to revive teammates better so he's a really he sort of mainly focuses on damage but there's a lot of like sub- supplement skills which also make him quite essential yeah, he um, also has a skill to kick. pick himself up uh, yeah, yeah the second wind yeah so is, Aaron am I right in saying he's the only character who can do this I think so because if he goes down he has a chance to get himself up but he could only do it one time if he gets down again that's it yeah so um resistance basically works in that like when you run out of health you go into what's called like a down status which anyone who's played outbreak it's the same sort of thing you have you know you when you when you're in down sort of status there's a there's a timer that goes and if that expires then you you then respawn uh, with a time penalty to the starting room of that particular level tyrone's the only character who gets what's called a second wind which will revive you back to you are in danger still but you can drop a heal straight away very very handy and it's very tactical as well because you can what most good tyrone players will do is if they're downed they'll keep an eye on what the mastermind's camera is doing and then if it goes green to indicate the mastermind's not looking at him anymore then you'll use your second wind and get back up there's no point doing it if the mastermind's got his eye on you because they'll just use like a turret or something to take you right back down another skill he has is that um when he's running he can't get grabbed by most of the enemies which is very useful if he needs to get through the area and take them out from behind. I wanted to ask you guys that have had more experience with the characters and listening to that kick, whether you found it a bit overpowered, because I know that's something that Ao Yang has been quite keen, you know, and, and there's been a lot of consideration from, from the development team in terms of getting these measurements right, because I'm going back to when the you know when the beta first came out i think there wasn't there there was quite quite a, there was a lot of disparity between certain the strengths and weaknesses of these special abilities but i know there's been quite a few patches and they have worked very hard haven't they Ao yang and his team to kind of get that balance right how do, how do you find that in the gameplay those sorts of things in the early builds I know Tyrone was basically the most valuable player because he could basically, um, he you know, if a Tyrant was dropped or Birkin for a net, Tyrone could basically make them irrelevant. Now we're in the world of high-ranking masterminds. I don't think Tyrone's too bad. He, but he's definitely essential, I would say, for, that's for all, reasons to that's, describe. That's all three so far have been essential. Well, as well, I, I, <laughs> that's, what I've been, that's what I've been saying. I think a good balanced team would require all four of the main players in originally planned but it all depends on how confident those players are you know if you have one person who just decides to go run around nearly shooting stuff and not actually helping the team not helping towards the goals to get through the yeah for, for example if you've got a valerie who runs out the starting room on their own and tries to get a key item and then gets wiped out then they've not really fulfilled the role that valerie should do that's not to say that people can't play the characters how they like but you just have to respect the fact that within you know these certain types of games certain characters um, fulfill different roles and to not adhere to those roles you're not playing that character to the best of their potential yes but also the the danger there isn't it starts it's going to affect your gameplay it's almost going to break the game for the rest of the players i don't know how much that has an effect but that's the danger isn't it when each particular character has its own special ability and it's a shame i don't know if it would work if it would even come across as an enjoyable experience but if you could kind of 
there's an option to play this with kind of vanilla characters, well, not vanilla characters, but, you know, characters all of the same ability, uh, so that at least, you know, someone that has that kick, for example, that power, isn't going to break the game by just, you know, as I would probably do, just run off, because a lot of these games that I've been seeing do seem quite hectic, and almost like just Benny Hill, people just running around like, like crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, not, you're not wrong at all, and I think it's part and parcel of the 4v1, 4v1 sort of thing, but it is also in, in, in tune with, you know, just to give it a bit of context, there was a rumour a long time ago that resistance was originally called outbreakers and was a very very much a, a sequel to the outbreak series and there's certainly although it's it's not outbreak i'm not saying it is there's a, there's enough of outbreaks dna in places that you can see where like the inspiration was from and obviously outbreak was the same sort of thing every character in outbreak had different abilities and different starting items and they they brought a different thing to a team and very much like valerie a good Cindy with her ability to like cure bleeds if she grabbed you and have the the herb pack. A good Cindy can make the difference between a, you know a successful run or a bad run in outbreak. So it's nice in in some ways they've carried that on in this, even if the characters arguably have less than less of an identity as such, which I'll get into later. See how long you can stand still without me shooting you. Well, we've got another one, one of the originals, Samuel Jordan. Uh, he's a boxer, and he was having medical trials with Umbrella, so a bit of background lore for him. He uh, originates from the Tekken world and has the Fists of Iron uh, as his uh, kind of ability, and he can do dash punches and a bit of a brawler and an adrenaline kind of junkie, if you like, with his melee attacks as well. Are they as effective as the uh, as Tyrone's kicks I have to hold my hands up in the air here guys um, between him and Martin I have not not really played them at all I I've uh, only played during the beta period for with him um, it I mean he's pretty much as pure label he's he's the brawl the brutes he's the guy that you want to put in front yeah def- hitting and attacking and smashing through where possible to, to lead the others through he still ha- I mean all of them are balanced to a point where they're Obviously, you still need to make sure you're healed, and it's going to be that cliche. But really, they're all—you need someone like that on the team too for that same. I just wonder if he's distinct enough from perhaps Tyrone. He is. It is. He is in the sense that you can attack enemies pretty much direct on without. I think without we someone still do a bit of damage. It's always help. Um, and his weapon yeah, Samuel is basically like the fighter yeah. of the group, and even his weapon damage is accentuated wide as well. Because he does more damage with his fist than most of the weapons. And yeah. uh, Tyrone is just basically the shield, and Samuel's the sword. So basically, all Tyrone has to do is give everybody the defense boost and send Samuel out, and he'll just knock all the enemies back. Plus, when he's in his stance, he has the ability where he's unstoppable, where he will not be knocked back as long as his fists are up. And as long as he keeps fighting, he'll be able to get through the lines without being knocked down or anything. Okay, so he, he, he's quite viable then. If you, Again, it goes back to what, what we were saying. If you know how to play with him, then uh, he can be quite quite beneficial. Yeah, because in the um, beta, when people were playing him, they would accidentally use his abilities to soon because nobody really knows how to use them until it's like, oh, okay, use this when we're surrounded by zombies. There we go. Yep. Can't he punch the bio orbs quite successfully? Uh, yeah, I think, he's, I think he can. Yep. I think he's one of the best damage dealers against them. Mm, I, I, I'm sure that's what I remember that. 
Boys and girls, come out to play. Bravo. Okay, well, zipping through in there, we're doing well, we're doing well. So the uh, the other one, another character, everyone's favourite cosplayer, no doubt, is Becca Woolett, who is a park ranger, apparently. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting uniform. She she apparently has the ability to have unlimited ammunition for a short period of time. Uh, this is the her bullet storm ability, so uh, that can be extremely useful, I'd imagine, especially on some of the the, the big BOWs that come into the game to bring kind of bring them down. She can also help with better aim and ta- um, target the weaker points of a BOW more effectively. Uh, some of the enemies will drop more ammunition as well, going back to the supply zombie. So Becca was my initial main, and it really is true that her fever skill, which gives you the unlimited ammo, can be a game changer in a round. But I would say on the whole, she doesn't have that much to bring to the table other than firepower. And sometimes a a good resistance session will require more than just simple firepower. You know, you take her guns away, she unfortunately doesn't have that much to offer a team. But keep her equipped, keep her safe. And, you know, when, when, when the time needs it, you know, you chuck a rocket launcher in her hands and then she pop Alex's plant is next to nothing. You just wanted to play more with me. Before we get on to the the main the main the main character, we have everyone's favourite Frodo Baggins lookalike, Martin Sandwich. Probably the greatest character that's ever graced the Resident Evil world. But is he though? He's a mechanic and he has the ability to cause lots of flashbangs, which uh, Again, th- th- this is this is very much mechanic, very much made for the uh, the the online world. But the ability to kind of blind lights within uh, for the mastermind must be a an extremely useful ability uh, to prevent the mastermind from seeing what's going on. He can also help make a mine uh, and and can disarm some of the traps that the uh, the mastermind will lay. So he's got to be he's got to be the most important character, Sean. Aaron, have you have you experienced Martin? sandwich no i haven't i haven't even seen anybody play him in the matches i've been in oh really oh is he not is he not a popular choice no sean said and sean said nobody played he hadn't played him i can't say i have either you have poor old sandwich is the big letdown nobody wants to play he might actually be really good but no one knows he's got he's got he's got a nice flashbang which can um you know it's got like a flash wand you know lord of the rings fans will know it's the uh star of a rendeal that he holds, he holds aloft nerd! <laughs> to, to blind to blind his foes. Frodo uh, Sandwich Baggins, as Sonny calls him, he looks like he looks exactly like Frodo Baggins. <laughs> I just think he's the greatest. Art. I think he's the greatest name, and, and kudos to the resistance team and for calling him Sam. Unfortunately, no, there are no ad libs to my knowledge that uh, elaborate on you know if Jill and him were married, they would it would be Jill Sandwich. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. They always, uh, if they update some dialogue line. This is the deadening. Dun dun. The final survivor you can choose was added post-release, and this included Jill Valentine, who was brought into the game. With, without sounding uh, and speaking the obvious, she's probably the most popular choice of character uh, when when selecting. We, in all the games I've watched, everyone is seemingly rushing to get Jill fairly expeditiously. Now, Nicole Tompkins reprised her role. Uh, as Jill for this, so she recorded some some dialogue. I suspect during the same recording sessions. But interestingly, she's she's a lot more aggressive, perhaps. Yeah. In, in, uh, in this her portrayal of Jill is a lot more aggressive than what it is in Remake Three. She, well, she's aggressively casual. Like she'll just you know she'll just drop to Daniel that you know she'll she'll happily kill him or something like that. Very 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 out of character for Jill. Yes. Yeah. Now she can. She's got 
her master of unlocking skill, which is wonderful. So she can unlock some of the some of the doors. Is it quicker? It must be it's quicker than everyone else. Yeah. So so basically, start Jill's fever skill is like it, I think it's called Star's Armory, and you can customize what it means. It can you know you can um, when it's when it's running, as in when it's active and ready to to fire, you can change its various properties, and one of it is the master of unlocking. So when your Star's uh, Armory is charged up. She she can unlock a a, a like because because the mastermind can lock doors in stages so the like the first lock can be knocked down with a couple of shoulder shoves or like one kick from Tyrone but when you get like the more higher rank masterminds they can put like a higher level lock on the door and Jill can unlock any really really quickly if she's got the master of unlocking skill which is really fitting and and it's really neat but this was actually patched in later it wasn't part of Jill's initial build but it's uh, it's very cool. And, of course, fans of Jill will know that she also gets a Samurai Edge as a special weapon for her. Yep, so um, one of the Star's Armoury, the, the first Star's Armoury skill that you have as, as a default is um, the Samurai Edge, which gives Jill the ability to use the Samurai Edge, which is a super high-powered pistol for something like, I think it's eight shots or a limited amount of time. So if the time expires and you haven't fired the shots, you lose the shot. So it's it's better to get it better to get it used as quickly as you can what can i say it's it it's kind of what they should have done with um the samurai edge in the main game it's kind of sad that resistance gets the samurai edge and the importance of it and and you know what it means to a stars member to wield one more than you know the, the game that jill sort of stars in further stars armory is the uh is it the m66 rocket launcher i want to say from resident evil 3 the the, the quad barreled one the quad, yeah the quad one yeah that's that's her second power up for the stars armory that you can unlock later oracle a fan of jill in this i played her during um practice runs but every time i encountered a jill they quit oh what do you mean they the person that plays jill quits the game they just leave the match every time i find one they just leave the match Oh, well, they, they, they don't complete the levels. No, they'll just go up to the door and die, then leave the game. How very strange. Joke characters are the ones that like to run ahead. I would guess, my guess is that uh, a lot of people who just started the game the first time, and they go, oh, Jill's in this, and pick Jill. And then when they realize what the actual game is, go, oh, yeah, I don't like this. <laughs> I think that's a good point. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 yes. Right yeah. then. Delete, delete. Uh, as I said earlier, there needed to be more crossover incentive. Like they looked at these two things as two separate things to put out together in the one packet. But I think that was a big miscalculation. I think they should have intertwined the two a lot more, and I think it would have encouraged people who played the game to play Resistance. No, yeah. I think I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, things things from the main game that you unlock gives you certain perks and bonuses and resistance and firstly things that you do in resistance would give you some extra perks or abilities or unlock free unlockables and I think I think that would have been a smarter way to do it. Are we, are we surprised that we don't have any more survivors available yet? Perhaps more recognisable characters that we were, we're just limited to Jill? I'm, I'm extremely surprised they've not put Carlos in yet I thought that would be like a dead given as soon as Jill was put in. But yeah, I am surprised there hasn't been more playable characters patched in yet. Um, I'm almost expecting an outbreak character to return in all honesty. I suppose the, the 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 question that listeners may be asking because we've gone through the you know through the characters and survivors and they've all got particular roles. Is there any other more traditional roles in perhaps 4v1s that hasn't been taken yet 
that a new character could fulfil because you don't you don't want to just be adding characters for the sake of it. They need to be different uh, and be able to differentiate from the others and, ha- and have a particular role. Is there anything missing? In all honesty, I've got to be honest, I'm not well versed enough in this genre of 4v1 to know that, regrettably. The idea, I guess, is when you start adding bonus characters is that their abilities should usually slot into somewhere for something that exists somewhere else, but it's done in a different way. Like, try to explain this away. So if, like, well, yeah, perfect example. So Martin can can blind the cameras with his flashbangs, which is much like uh, God. January can also disable the cameras in a different way, but so they have the same outcome, different approaches. So the idea is that anyone you get should at least have an alternative version of, of a main ability of one of the characters, so that you don't um, imbalance the game. So no. Carlos, Carlos could be another like brute force character, but maybe trained with weapons he would be more of like as, as uh, alluded to earlier the kind of the arm sword he'd be an arm who's good for taking down enemies from a slight distance and supporting the, the brute character yeah mm-hmm. for example okay so there, there is there is scope then well on the other side of the camera so to speak we have the masterminds and why my god my god most of them are, are already recognizable characters but I, I think it's only fair that we start with the new character of Daniel Fabron. What is the worst that could happen? Oui? How the fuck does this thing work? The trader I got it from was very shady. Has to. Well, it looks like he stepped out of the 1998. That's right, the 1996 Resident Evil game, more so than perhaps the uh, 2019-2020 game. He is the, the most cliched villain I think we've had. Donkeys. Perhaps he's on, he's on par with Alfred, I suppose, in, in terms of... No, don't you dare. No, because Alfred wasn't a, a complete parody of himself or of, you know just a, no. a generic caricature sorry to jump on no like no that, no that, that, I, yeah. I, I think that was right to jump Bonjour, mon amis. can I just say actually the only reason I did that kind of I just wanted to quickly say because when you meant just at the very mention of his name and I started laughing in myself and I can remember Rombie making some great um, impressions of him on a on a previous podcast but then I just suddenly thought actually no because it just sets the whole bloody tone of the game and, and, and if perhaps a more intelligent decision would have been to have utilised one of these fantastic antagonists that we've had in the past like Alex Wesker for example that was that was d- demised too soon to actually have them as the mastermind well, we've got Alex, really, you know we've got a real Alex. insidious sinister or like like you just said Alfred with his playground of nightmares how, fucking, that, how fucking dare you Paul say this about me <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I don't even mind the idea of someone new as long as it didn't act like exactly. a complete fucking moron. You know, like, <laughs> he's, a he's, a, he's a terrible, terrible character. Like, why they thought this was a great idea? And it doesn't. It does inject almost comedy into it in a Carry On style. I it does. Understand. And- yeah. And again, it doesn't it doesn't encourage people to play because they're just like this guy's going, well, you shit, well, shit, and you know, and they're like, what the fuck is this French guy doing? Like, I understand this, and like, I don't want to deal with this crap. And then they switch, they quit the game. Like, I would if it was the first time I was playing and I didn't know what I was getting into, and all of a sudden I had this French guy like yelling and swearing at me. I'd be like, I don't need to play this crap. Like, it, it gets worse because now you know some obnoxious masterminds, and and some of you listening will know who you are. Um, start slamming the taunts. You know, they they literally. There's no cooldown, which is the time between you know you using a skill and you being able to use it again. 
um, there's, there's no cooldown between masterminds being able to use taunts. You know, like Nikolai, for example, has got this fucking really irritating laugh, and some masterminds will literally just spam it through the entire match. Oh my and, you know, when you've yep. got, like, a Daniel character doing Daniel's taunts all the way through a game, it is just, like, you just want to mute it. Honestly, like you literally want to throw your yeah. controller at the TV. It's so frustrating. I mean, it, it works in a sense, you know, the mastermind's trying to derail the survivors, yeah. but they do it in a way that is literally soul-destroying. It's not just impeding <laughs> your progress. It's literally making you lose the will to live <laughs> at least play the game. You know? And like you say, a simple patch would, 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 would you know... Just, would, just would give it like it. 10 seconds between doing taunts or something, yeah. you know, not just so they can spam it repeatedly because, Christ, it is hard. Well, the, you know, thing- you, you wouldn't think it gets to you. And at first it seems almost comical and amusing, but by the time you've listened to it for 15 minutes straight... It is smart, yeah, yeah. I assure you, you fucked that up. In case you were doubting it, UK, uh, United Kingdom uh, listeners who uh, have an affiliation or have watched in the past, hello, hello, <laughs> will pro- will probably be familiar with someone like Fabron. Uh, the, obviously, the French actor, it, it's not French. He is not. It's English trying to speak. French. It's like an English person doing their impression of a real stereotypical French. Of a real stereotypical French, which is, which my, is hello, my, hello. Yeah. yeah, my 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 flatmate is French, and if I did that to him be offended yeah. he, would, he would he would he would just be like no it's like semi-racist let's just admit, yeah. let's oh just admit it don't use doing that accent to please alex like, mean, oh bonjour mon ami <laughs> we had comedians at daniel fabron in the 1970s like you know <laughs> you know jim davidson amongst the i'm sure you know yeah it's it, just we, we we thought we'd moved on from this i think if if his character came out in like the original resident evil you'd have given it as pass as just part of the kind of cheesy dialogue of the original game this this feels so out of place fabron is like you know a relic from the the bygone era of cheesy dialogue which is maybe what they're going for and that's fine but it kind of era has moved on since then the way i see it since this is taking place in 1998 they're going with the 90s vibe for this character so yeah. Uh, oh dear. Oh dear. Well, well uh, before what, we. What? There is more fun ahead. Oui. <laughs> what is this motherfucker? Oh, my boy Yuri. Oh god. <laughs> now, interestingly, he can all, all uh, masterminds. As anyone who's played it know that they can can control. They've got their special their special ability. In this case, they can control Mr. X. I don't like the fact that he's called Mr. X. Um, I also don't like the fact Mr. that Mr. X Trenchy. Well... I don't mind well, trench. I don't mind trenchy. You don't mind trenchy. The funny thing is, Nick, the game is non-canon, so it doesn't matter. That's true. well. We'll come. We don't with... care about the canonicity of this game. Please yeah. enjoy our little fat boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Well, Call we'll him come... the big guy. It doesn't doesn't matter. Well, uh, well, we'll come to the canon issues a bit later on. But there, he, oh he, boy, he can control Mister X and uh, bring him into the action. Uh, not quite as dangerous. It's... In this that he is in. I still like Daniel because he's a unique character. Do you think out of all the new characters, he's the, got the most personality just because he's so ridiculous? Yes. <laughs> the funny thing is, is, is Nick, with that question, is you hear so much more of Daniel 
So you learn more about his personality. Without break, each character had like ad libs and they had like starting cutscenes and finishing cutscenes for a scenario. In Resistance, there's none of that. All you get is literally like a starting quote from the character and a finishing quote when they end. Even though you spend time playing as these survivors, I would argue you actually know very little about them in terms of a personality. Whereas at least you do get some of that with Daniel. Because of all unfortunately. the. Unfortunately. Yeah, because of all Yeah, because the... yeah, they can just spam taunts or. You know, you hear their voice throughout the entire entire game. You know, I could you know I could tell you quite a bit about like Yoko or Alyssa, but I could tell you next to nothing about um you know Valerie or January because you don't get anything about them in the game. You know, they don't have an end cutscene whenever you finish a level or anything like that. You just get one quote as they run off into the light. That's not enough. Whereas Daniel, for better or worse, you hear his voice through the entire round. Of a, you know, entire entire game. Yeah, to me, for some reason, you don't feel really connected with any of the survivors or the other masterminds. But with Daniel, you just feel like, oh, just like a guy who's just expressing himself more through this. Because when you play the survivors, they hardly express themselves. They'll express some frustration, but they don't really put too much emotion mm. into themselves. Texting Aaron, you're a bit of a fan. I like Daniel. I always <laughs> liked him because I like how his personality is. You know, he's like, I got to impress Miss Alex Wesker. I got to do what I can. Why do I get a Transylvania Guys, accent when I'm French? We'll never understand that French sophistication. Well, but is it or is it, is it the over top like mustache twirling villain? Because you know, let let me just go on a brief aside and a bit of a plug for your uh, podcast, GT. You know, you're going to be doing the top trumps of Resident oh, Evil. Aaron's yeah. running Survivor. Survivor in it has. You know, Vincent Goldman, who is the OTT, you are a good boy lot. Is Daniel not cut from that same cloth? You, you, no, you're absolutely right, Stars, but at the very at least, and this is the thing that kind of stops me engaging with these characters or kind of wanting to find out more. You know, they do obviously have that disadvantage that you mentioned the outbreak characters. They were put into a universe that we already, that was already beloved by us, and, and and we understood, and we were already interested in. Obviously, with 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 this one with resistance, it's not really in universe area that kind of has a proper standing in the narrative. I know we're going to discuss the canon issues, but it, it's quite. I think it's, it's quite a cheap and, and superficial inclusion into the canon. You know, whereas if this had actually been an, a, a location that we we already knew, a, a proper location that was about you know the RPD or something. You know, or, or just Raccoon City. Why couldn't this have taken place in a different part of Raccoon City? We 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 we. Other masterminds we have though making a welcome return is Annette Birkin, who is. Played by her Resident Evil 2 RVA. Yes, yes, Karen Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Re-edit that, Nick, so it's slick, will you please? <laughs> See, we knew there was a benefit um, getting you guys up. <laughs> I just very quickly, I mean, obviously don't put this in. What was quite amusing was Karen had no idea what it was for, or, or in terms of just Capcom really didn't kind of give her... She was asking me questions about Resistance, and we were having to kind of literally send her, like, the wiki page for it just to give her a night, because she, she was given very little guidance in terms of and kind of goes to show in terms of how much direction they, they gave her in terms of you know bringing the character mm. back i mean obviously don't put this in but um why not it's good. yeah she she really didn't quite actually understand when it was coming out what it was about you know what game it was attached to how it you know was connected to re2 and it was quite embarrassing you know we were just having to tell her stuff that capcom really should have told you know let her know about I might but, that yeah anyway yeah mm. so uh, she's able to control her husband uh, like most marriages and she can um <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <Nick>. <laughs> so she deplo- she deploys G, who I'm not. 
we've we, we, we played a lot of games and not once did we come across Annette deploying G which is a bit unfortunate it can be tough I, I was going to say I, he must be more tougher than Mr X uh, well, yeah, a, a good a good Annette player can uh, do some serious damage with Birkin unless you've got survivors who know how to um you know dispatch these BOW playable bosses. And do we get does it stay the same mutation G? It's just G two. Yeah, G one. Is it G one? Is it G one? I think so. Yeah, G one. Yeah, it's just it's just the lead pipe lead wielding. Pipe, yeah, yeah. yeah G one. It's fine, but I mean, you know that that's that's not Annette's best skill. Wait till you you wait till you go against the hunters that can't be. Uh, sorry, the liquors liquors that can't be killed. Explain. A high ranking Annette can deploy liquors that are. I don't even know what health pool they have, but I've been literally in rounds where we've been dishing out damage and they will not go down. I, I don't even know what what, what kind of uh, you know hit points they must have. Oh, well, that sounds fun. <laughs> in in a later in in the latest update, she has a couple of neat law references obviously we're going to get into the law lately but she has now an epsilon strain skill yes um and a v-act skill but oh. it don't fear not law fans it does not create crimson heads in resistance it just basically powers up zombies that she chooses to infect with the v-act so your prayers were answered george when they introduced alex wesker into this game as well alex wesker oh, is dear. is another mastermind in this game she has an interesting role in this so she's using it very much like a, as a kind of fear experiment so they they did manage to bring back the voice actress from uh, revelations 2 mary elizabeth mcglenn thank you very which, much which we don't officially know but we all know is her <laughs> yes <laughs> It's that. So that was that was the welcome. Her kind of specialist BOW is a Yativo, which is basically an advancement of Plant 42. Unable to move, but you can strategically place the said plant in a in a given area, and Yativo can kill you off in one hit. If it gobbles you up, yeah. It can gobble you up in a very Hunter Gamma style esque, and dishes out quite a lot of like a plant f- acid being flung at you, and can then reel you in, can't they? With with a with a kind of tentacle mm. vine thing. A, a good Alex player who deploys that in the right place can cause some serious damage. You would think strategically the most obvious place would be to deploy it right at the end uh, where the exit is, but that's not always the best point. If you're all if you've all survived at that particular point, did one of my last rounds allow me to squeeze? past it and yes. get, to, get, to, get to the end yeah yeah so there's, I think a good, as you said, a good mastermind will think cleverly as to where is the best place that this, where you can drop a immovable object because it does take up quite a large space on the screen. It's, I think it's just the obvious way to go. Oh, we'll chuck it, chuck it at the end, but that's not always the best place to go. So yes, Alex. And if I'm recalling right, she can make it invisible for a little bit of time so she can switch back to the cameras and play stuff. I did not know that. That's that's neat. So I was doing a play test using her, and you had the option to place the creature down. I did that. And then it's like switch to camera mode or go stealth mode, and you click that, you go back to camera mode, and you can do stuff, and then switch back to the uh, her BOW. That's very cool. I'm trying to remember what that what that skill is called, though. Or it's probably one of the it's probably the plant's ability instead of Alex's skill. So that gives a bit more a bit more f- um, flexibility as to what you want to do in there. It is worth saying with Alex, you know, that the art style for the Mastermind is, is wonderful and Alex looks particularly brilliant. Um, they've done a really good job of sort of capturing Alex. We haven't got a lot of art to do with Alex, even in Resistance 2. There wasn't a great deal of Alex art pre her mutation in that game. So what we've been given in, um, in Resistance is really cool. 
She looks she looks fantastic, actually. I would agree. <laughs> yes. Um. She. I remember when her art was released, everyone was going around going, "Who does she look like?" And all, every Hollywood actress was being the name that came up the most was Ali Lata. Yeah, she does look a bit like Ali Lata. <laughs> yeah, she does. So, also making a return to the series is Spencer. It's his first playable role, ironically, uh, in in this uh, in this game, and you can play as him. Not sounding particularly like Spencer from Resident Evil Five, but he's younger, so you can give him a bit of a pass. Younger, <laughs> yeah, younger, yeah. But his role is. I think it's a huge missed opportunity with Spencer. I mean, you know, if if you're going to have Spencer as a mastermind, we need to be at Spencer Mansion. It just goes without saying. Or at Spencer Estate in Resident Evil 5. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm partial to both. Doesn't matter which. Now, my initial thought with Spencer was that, well, then you could have, like, the Guardians of Insanity or the Blobs, whatever you want to call them, from Resident Evil 5. But I understand where they're coming from with, with some of these. They need to try and make the kind of, like, big element of the mastermind somewhat different which is why Alex has kind of got the Ativo when it would have been perhaps more obvious to perhaps give her like the, the tyrant from the Ouroboros tyrant from Revelations 2 but that would have been very similar to perhaps what Mr X or G was so that's so Alex got the Ativo Spencer you could have easily given him the blobs but how different would that have been what challenge would that have presented to the survivors who perhaps have been able to get, you know, to be able to deal with Mr. X and G. So this time Spencer's able to set up force fields and um, other areas which cause problems, but that's throughout every kind of level and every kind of area, as I understand. I'd love to think it's a canon issue, but but in terms of Capcom being that conscientious, but I doubt it, because weren't the blobs, weren't those guardians a a lot to do with, you know, sort of experiments that he was doing there and then on that, you know? Oh, you know, no, yeah, no, that's fine, but my, 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 point was that you know that when setting up different bows as the kind of like end is your kind of controllable character or whatnot in mastermind they, i think they're trying to set up different characters to have different skills okay yeah so yeah. you know it's easy to go well if they're going to do you know nikolai can have nemesis we'll have we'll have albert wesker as a mastermind where he can, can control the tyrant T002 and whatnot. We can have James Marcus, and he can control Protoss or whatever. You know, there's all sorts you could do, but there's got to be a bit of a difference between them. And this is yeah. where you know, to, to make I it... suppose you're right because those are almost his signature BOWs, aren't aren't they? Because yeah, of, so most kind of almost secondary infectants in the Spencer Mansion. Those, those were actually kind of his own creations, weren't they? Mm. The Guardians. So yeah. Spencer's abilities in this is is more of a uh, a technological advancement rather than be a lot biological in his ability so we we encountered a few of them a few spencers uh, during our playthroughs spencer in um resistance has been inspired by uh almost like paul anderson because his um where he lacks in like tyrants or nemesis uh, or plants he gets like a laser field and his later ability of that will give you a moving laser field so unfortunately, the survivor characters can't backflip or spin like uh, Leon or the characters in Umbrella Chronicles. So if you're within its within its um you know field as it passes through you, you will die, uh, or you know you're going to the down state. It's disappointing, in all honesty. You know, you think with a wealth of sort of lore behind Spencer, that's that's the sort of best they can uh, do with him. Yeah. Yeah, you'd like to think they'd give him something unique. So obviously, you know, Daniel took the tyrant, and the nemesis, you know, wouldn't fit. Yeah, you know, you guys were just discussing the blobs from Lost in Nightmares. Could have been one like that. You could have deployed, or you know, just something, anything. But a, a laser field is just perhaps two blobs. 
make it a bit more interesting. A bit more, yeah, that that would have made it a bit more challenging. But yeah. it's whereas uh, Spencer as a whole is a little bit underwhelming um, as a character altogether. He, he you know he specialises in you know like locking doors and manipulating cameras. And I know someone said on our dis- Discord once, um, you know what sums up Resident Evil better than disabling cameras and knocking down doors. And and they're kind of right. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit disappointing. And then the final. Um, the final mastermind we've got is uh, one of the last, most recently added. Uh, came with the Jill package, so it's Nikolai being almost like her opposing mastermind. And uh, you already mentioned he has a funny laugh, and that's the voice actor as well from Resident Evil 3 Remake. He's reprised his role as, as Nikolai, and I, I think you you told me, Sean, that you felt that he was more, he was almost like less Russian in this. Neil Newburn, I thought, did a great job as, as Nikolai in... Uh, remake 3. I thought he, he sort of encapsulated the character of Nikolai pretty well. Whether you agree with some of the choices they've made with the character, I don't uh, in Remake 3. I thought the actual sort of performance capture and voice acting work was was relatively well done. However, when our mastermind plays as Nikolai, it can be unbearable. And this, this continues on from this sort of spamming of taunts and things like that. Neil sounded good in Nikolai, uh, sorry, sounded good as Nikolai in Remake 3 because Nikolai's appearances are quite short and snappy. So he doesn't overstay his welcome when he's a mastermind literally praying down on you for like you know a 10-15 minute gaming session it is unbearable to hear that accent for much longer in all honesty it's taken what was a sort of strong Nikolai performance and turned it into an almost unbearable parody that you know you guys mentioned hello hello earlier you know it, it seems it seems horrible to, to almost say because i don't want to trash anyone's performance uh, or anything no, like I that think you can hear it coming through in what you're saying it's you're talking about more rather than him his personal performance it, it, it's, it's where they've put his performance they- it's just to hear that sort of faux russian accent repeated over and over and over again through sort of taunts and the repetition of it just gets it just gets unbearable and like i say you know he 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 does this like over the top james bond villain laugh and i've been in at least two or three sessions of resistance where the mastermind player just spams that for the entire match and it, it you know full respect to neil but I never want to hear his voice ever again. And and it's kind of, in in an indirect way, it's kind of, this is awful to say, but it's harmed his performance in Remake 3 as a result, if you know what I mean, because I now look at that performance and don't think as much of it as I did prior to playing Resistance. So it's actually had a negative effect on like the the game it's accompanying in, in some way. I would love to have the original Nikolai sly mysterious cutthroat till you figure it out and it's like oh he's the bad guy not this i'm the bad guy i like money (laughs) not not now i'm busy (laughs) halfway still so far to go so they're they're the kind of characters we've we've kind of like gone through that that's actually been a really really interesting discussion actually looking at all the elements so if we move on to talk a bit more about the gameplay Uh, i'm conscious of uh, the fact that it's incredibly hectic, and this is what George, you're, you're, this is your kind of main point that you that you did. Everyone is running around a bit like headless chickens, so it shouldn't be like that, but it often is. So how can, how how does that play out to your average player? Is it is it off putting? 
and I think we're kind of getting into the issues of the matchmaking for new players. Is it you're almost like thrown in as like a baptism of fire, should we say, if you've never played it before, and the mechanics aren't quite the same as um, like remake three. So in theory, you've played re- you know you've played remake three, then you go oh I'll now play I'll now play this. But there's lots more ish- buttons you need to know about. You need to know about the skills, mm. and the tutorial mode's pretty dire. Is it is it unfair for new players? I mean, when you put it like that, it feels absolutely, and you wonder, I mean, I'm not familiar enough with the game whether there sort of should be nursery levels that, like, you know, ease players into it. But also, again, it's difficult. I feel you can't really hold this against the developers that a lot of a successful game is going to come a lot down to, yeah, who's in that? You know, who's utilising the different characters? When I've heard in the past USS Command talk about, you know, his beloved game, Operation Raccoon City, and how, you know, when people that actually have an appreciation for the characters, you know, for the different abilities that Wolfpack had, if they're all in a game together, then it it, it, it runs at its optimum level of enjoyment. And I imagine, you know, if, if people that are looking to get out of the game, what Stars is looking to get out of the game, and, and, and you know, if you're all in there, if you arrange to meet in a lobby and you all go in at the same time, then I'm sure it's, it, it's going to be quite a great experience. But like you say, if you, if you just want to turn it on once for, you know, if you've been playing RE3 and you're not part of a kind of extended Resident Evil community and, you, you know, you're just picking up to have a good time, then I think it, it, it's almost going to be, you're more likely than not to just get this kind of head, headless chicken, you know, hectic thing. And people are going to play it very briefly, and then just put it down and never come back to it again. Well, this is what Aaron was showing. It looks like people are playing as Jill going, going through the first door and going, nope. And then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then switching off. But it, yeah. is is that not a bit, I'm not saying neglectful, but um, a bit of an oversight when making the game? It's because... a bit unfair for new players, especially if you're just starting yeah. as a mastermind for the first time. And then you encounter like level 600 this character, 50 this character, then all of a sudden... You're like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to beat him. Two of them just left the game. Why? It's not fair because you want to try it, but then players start leaving because they don't see you as a worthy opponent or some sort. Oh, really? Do you think that's what's happening? They're just going, it's not worth my time. Yeah, because it's like, okay, this is a new car- new player, so we're going to just quit the game so they don't get points for killing us. There's no point in playing this. They're probably not even knowing how to play and stuff like that. What they should do is if you're starting out for the first time as Mastermind or Survivor, they should give you... The same rank level, like, like you can find a level 2 or level 3 character, match up with the low-level players and low-level masterminds, so you can just get learn experience of how to do it. The practice matches you can do are limited because the survivors in the practice matches don't move. Right. So if you get like a, a low-level matchup and you're a low-level, that'll be perfect because it'll be like a training session. Everybody's going to go at their own pace and they're going to try and figure things out. So will the masterminds. And then once you guys complete it or lose, then you got experience on how to play. Instead of, run, 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 gotta go, gotta go, wait for me, yeah. why are you on the ground, get over here, we're done with the puzzle, I just got started. It does seem like a level yeah. se- like a level 70 Mewtwo going up a level level 3 Caterpie. Nick, when you asked before, like, is it an oversight, I mean, I'm trying to think, what, what could they have done to sort of, a nursery level, but in terms of, you know, people coming in and actually playing the game as it was meant in terms of, you know, effectively utilising the individual abilities of each character... Well, there is a tutorial mode, but as I said, it's rubbish. It's it's not even, it's not even worth being in it. But my concern is, I wonder if they've forgotten a bit that Resident Evil is a single player campaign. You know, it is supposed to be a single player experience, and suddenly you're kind of thrust into this, and you're like going, you know, as we discussed, it is very much a teamwork 
based encounter to suddenly do that and as you you know in the running around doing whatnot but does it just go back to the matchmaking skills or or the lack of because Sean, <laughs> would you say Sean that if 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 you do have a team that you're that you've organized uh, on discord or whatnot and you've got your community you've got your five people playing does it transform the game yeah i i think i think i mean obviously you don't plan your fifth player that 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 you know that's yeah sorry sorry not yeah. gonna happen so if, if you've got your four main players i think a, a, a good team of well-ranked well-skilled survivors can take on any mastermind however that's you know such a rarity and it does get to a point where the masterminds get so high ranked that it can make the difference even if the survivors are well organized resistance has been through a rough time where it's only just started coming back the other way where masterminds had a very good run in the updates of being you know you know very very benefited with uh, some of the latest patches and there has been a lot of outcry from the community that it's gone a bit too far one way. Of course, mastermind players will tell you that survivors have had it easy for, you know, for such a long time. This is the nature of a 4v1 game where you know the four versus the one will always tell you that the other party is less un, you know, less balanced and you know more unfair than than theirs. And, and which is why you'll never truly balance it all the way. But it, it you know, it, it, it can get so all destroying. You know, the, these masterminds that play now are of such high level, and because the player base has dropped off, the matchmaking arguably doesn't work the way it should do. If it had a wealth of players to be able to pull from, then it probably would be better. But if if the matchmaking's been able to put like four survivors that are around the same rank together that's that's like a gift in itself you know because the player player base has dropped this is mainly more on the pc there's still quite a few people playing it on the ps4 but for the pc community generally it's not uncommon to like get you know a, a rank 34 rank 60 rank 89 rank 3 survivor against a rank 256 spencer that team yep. is not going to is not going to beat that Spencer. That you know, especially if they're randoms, it's just not going to happen. And that's not necessarily down to the matchmaking being broken. That just might have been the only mastermind available to to pitch against those survivors. This is what happens when a player base just drops off. That was really good, Sean, because that that was exactly the issues that I I saw being brought up almost immediately, and then. I saw, you know, the, the the development team actually specifically addressed this and mentioned that that had been rectified. I think some of the very first earliest patches, didn't they? They dealt with this this disparity. But so it it's important to know from someone like yourself that's still playing the game that that still needs to be addressed. But but can you address it now? This this is the thing. If the yeah. player base has dropped off and there are no new masterminds playing, mm. it's the only masterminds that are left for like the matchmaking program or algorithm they've got can pull from is a 200 rank 256 spencer then that's who you're going to get because their 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 goal is to get the survivors playing you know rather than leave you in a lobby indefinitely i mean you know when i did the um stream for nick the other night we weren't waiting too long nick in all honesty no. were we i can't think i can't think like a single matchmaking session lasted any longer than sort of 30 seconds to to two minutes let's say but the range of um uh, masterminds you got varied from like a rank three annette to the rank 256 spencer you know that there was no continuity within it 
you you could literally have a mastermind as low as like rank you know one to ten and the next one is over 200 and I, I i don't necessarily want to blame the matchmaking i just think players are simply not available I, I can't obviously i don't play the ps4 version very much so people listening will probably say well this is this is not really reflective of my experience on the playstation 4 and for that i apologize you know just not had a chance to, to test it extensively there's things they could do that you know you, you could have the matchmaking where it's levels so that if you're level 1 to 20 you're only going to play levels of 1 to 20 but yeah you go back to your point that there's got to be that player base and that more importantly that continued player base in order to continue to get level 20, you know, up to level 20 masterminds. But to me, that seems an obvious addition to have right at the beginning, so that you're not going up against ridiculously high-powered survivors and masterminds when, when playing, especially as a new person. In my very, very limited world of competitive matches, uh, I only ever play Pokemon. In Pokemon, everyone gets set to level 50. Uh, if you've got a level 25, uh, level 36 Charizard that you've just evolved or whatnot, and then you go and play uh, online, that'll get bumped up to level 50, so it's all, all its stats will increase. And then you're facing off perhaps against like a level 83 Nido King, but his stats. Will I never get... thought I'd be on a podcast and hear these, <laughs> these names. <laughs> well, Nido King. What was the first one? Uh, Nicky loves it, doesn't he? It's just, That's true. Even, even, the, even the podcast has to go into Nick mode for a few minutes. It's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I know Pikachu, but that's it. That's well, these are all cool. <laughs> but they bring the, 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 the Nido King or whatnot will be level 83, but they'll bring it down to 50, so you're on a level playing field. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. Which yeah. is good. Yeah. Which perhaps wasn't always work because obviously you do need to be rewarded for your continuous play. But there could be a mechanic in that where you have it all, where levels are all set. So you, you know could... what, Nick, you've cracked it. Actually, I've never even thought of that before. But yes, they could have active scaling on the masterminds, so it works yeah. out like you know the base average of the survivors, and then and oh, then yeah. ranks the, the ranks the mastermind. This happens in MMOs. To, to, to the non-educated, the massive massive multiplayer online games, you know, can have scalable levels based on the instance or the you know the activity you're choosing to do. Uh, there's no reason why that kind of mechanic can't exist within Resistance. Well, it seems logic. It just seems logical, doesn't it? I mean, they've been doing that since Pokemon Red and Blue, uh, the way it works. So it, it and that could could be a good way of you know bringing people in into it because you've then got arguably a, a chance of winning even if you're new to the, the mechanics of the situation you know you may find then you can play through your characters in ease i still think there should be a um almost like a a better tutorial mode and maybe even almost like almost like a single player campaign i don't want to say that because it's not true but the ability to i think you spoke about this actually on the stream with umbrella corps you can visit some of the you can explore some of the areas I think that would be a good little thing you can do. So, as a as a new player, I mean, when I played, I ain't got a clue what's going on. Everyone was running off, and I was like, "Well, I don't know where." You know, I've told you how I play Resident Evil. I, you know, I, I don't know what room's going in. The map's not as accessible as it is in remake, and things like that. So, I think you should be able to explore the environments as well. In a set, you know, um, just to have a good look at look around, just to get to know what's going on, and that's for Mastermind as well, because you want to be able to have that freedom in your own time to be able to think well if i put a, a camera there i'll get a good view of that angle and then if i can put a camera there i can see that a bit more meticulous planning i just don't think you get that that'll be that'll be my 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 changes but that i'd imagine would require fundamental reprogramming <laughs> well you say that but uh, 
but MMOs and stuff that you know they constantly rebuild themselves. It, it's not as unfeasible as you would think. Because I think this is a, a, a big point that it, on paper it's not a bad little concept, but we've said that before. We've said that about Operation Raccoon City. We've even said it to an extent to about Umbrella Corps, but they've all been quite poor in their execution. And so we kind of go back to the, the, the bigger question that's going to be asked about Resistance as to whether it's actually a good 4v1 game or does it still need quite a lot of substantive work? Because it's got, you know, in order to get more people in, people who like 4v1 games will need to play it because they can't and they should never rely on Resident Evil fans playing it because most Resident Evil fans just want a single-player survival horror experience. And this is multiplayer, all-action, no horror. You know, it's a, to- it's a total opposite of what you want, which is fine. Yeah. But you're going to need to, you know, so so you'll get Resident Evil players playing it to experience it. But you're going to need the casual fan or the oh yeah, yeah oh Resident Evil, yeah, it's not bad. Oh, it's got a four v one. Oh, I love four v ones. You're going to need them in. It didn't work with Operation Raccoon City. It certainly didn't work with Umbrella Corps. Is it working with Resistance? And ar- <laughs> no, ar- arguably PC is the biggest market for this type of game and as dead as a dodo. I don't think it is, which is why I think before, long before the servers will shut for this game, I think you'll either see it go free-to-play or it will get a standalone digital release for a uh, you know, reduced fee. I would not be at all surprised if they announce that, like, for fifteen for fifteen pounds, it gets you your starter pack, you know, which is like the four beta survivors, and you have to like maybe buy Becker and uh, Martin as a as a bolt on that, you know, that kind of thing. There's this, there is potential in this product. I've, I've I've talked with Al Yang a couple of times, and I've shared a couple of the Easter eggs that I've spotted. You know, there's a clear love for the franchise, a love for Capcom in this. You know, we're going to get into the into the sort of specifics of it later, but you know, ambition or budget. That's well, I was going to say, continually a, ask a perfect segue then into the kind of canon issues. What is this shit? This is some dead person. So George was concerned. We'll come. We'll come to George in a minute about his concerns. But it it's raised a lot of debate in the kind of like online community and whatnot about where this game fits in terms of its canonicity. If you look at Jill's information on her character in this game, it pretty much says it's just a nightmare. Y- yes. Yes, and no. Um, I say that because uh, we we had this exact same conversation with Sean. It doesn't it say in the bio? I haven't got it at hand, but yeah, she she mentions that she was having almost like nightmarish fever dreams. But then it says in the same yeah. Book, it also says it then also says, but then it's that it is actually reality or something like that. Yeah, she says gradually she begins to realize the never-ending loop of nightmares are actually, in fact, very, very real. So, yeah, so it, it's it's hard to decipher exactly what the precise intention here is here. But when it was released, obviously, it's one of the first questions most fans ask: is oh, is it is it is it is it canon? And I think it's very debatable. The actual in-game events certainly aren't. I don't think they they cannot be considered canon. What you're actually doing at that time because it it just doesn't make any sense. Don't make sense. It, it, no, it can't. Yeah. You know, you're you're not you're not being held up in said situation and escaping. But the argument or the discussion point should we say is whether the characters are canon and thus the kind of background lore that exists within this resistance universe is canon and whether the uh premise, if you like, of the experimentation whether the not what's happened here is is canon or not 
I mean, just a random question in relation to that is then what would be the relationship between the mastermind? So, in, in obviously, immediately springs to mind the relationship between Spencer and Alex Wesker. So, are you to take it that each individual for each mastermind that's an individual scenario you know how you know that that's the representation of those events almost like with say remake where uh, you only ever see like sort of chris or or, or jill's uh, you never kind no, of see the actual i i think i think that the position is what you see in the game is is quite non-canon it's um you know the actual gameplay is non-canon spencer is not a mastermind alex is not a mastermind per se so none right. of that is canon. It's just whether the kind of background information is Daniel Fabron, a canon character, for example. Um, is Becca Woolett a park ranger of the Arclay Forest? Is Tyrone a member of the uh, federal, uh, the, the raccoon yeah. fire department? That type of thing. And then it's like, well, is Valerie Harmon a friend of Yoko's? If so, where does Yoko appear? And it raises all sorts of interesting questions about does it is it supposed to fit up with the original timeline or the remake timeline, if that is such a thing? And it, it, your head just starts to spin. Yeah. And there's a simple explanation, isn't there, Sean? It's not canon, Nick. It's, <laughs> it is literally as simple as that. Um, I think it, you know, it has canon ideas within it. At some point, Alex works on. T Phobos, uh, a later point in the timeline, she's got a skill in this called T Phobos. Batman's already pointed out that it can't take place really within the canon we know. So it's just an Easter egg. It's a reference. It's a neat, uh, you know, it's a name for a skill. You know, we know Jill doesn't have a diversion where she, re- you know, rendezvous with six survivors and fires against Nikolai while he's on CCTV. You, you can't retrofit this. That's not to say Daniel Fabron can't exist within the canon, but at the moment he doesn't. He's just a character in a multiplayer game. Do we honestly want him to exist, though? Like, he's such a walking (laughs) cliche of terrible soundbites. Yeah. I mean, Nick, as as kind of, you know, you did did a good job in terms of posing the question, you know, in in, in making that distinction in terms of, you know, in-game events and and forget that, but, you know, is this adding value to the lore? Uh, and I was start. I was slightly kind of with you when you just sort of mentioned maybe someone that that would work in Raccoon Zoo and it just adds a, an extra little layer. You no, know, just just yeah, stars and and Rombi, You know, I completely agree with you. It, it, it just isn't. It, it, it's as sim- simple as that. I know, and I've heard people kind of trying to stick up for the story of Umbrella Corpse, and actually, and and have sort of suggested that's actually a better story than than Resident Evil Seven in terms of if you actually look at what's the actual narrative of Umbrella Corpse uh. what's going on. Yeah, you know, you've got these tests. I'm not saying I agree with that at all. Obviously not. So, but, so I can understand I, where they're coming from. There's 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 an interesting idea there. There, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, I I can see, but it's not like it's well executed. You, you could have made a story based game around that. I having a multiplayer shooter, I guess. So no, yeah, just these kind of maybe idea. There are facilities. There are tests going on. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I can get with that. But no, just in terms of how this, like Sean says, how this has all been executed. Not to say that we can't see these characters in in a canon situation. And I will say that Kat's confirmed on Discord as well that a lot of the, these new information, like the T-Phobos skill and the Epsilon strain, are just Easter eggs. So it's been ex- expressly and explicitly stated that's exactly well, what Well, see, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not not to go against Kat, because I'm sure she's doing it for the right reasons, but the problem you know that's out there is everyone's going to be like, wow, everything's supposed to be, you know, all potential canon, blah, 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 all versions, all this stuff, and because you can't blankly just go out and immediately deny that everything in there is not canon, it, it, it's a slippery slope. 
part of this problem is, is something that uh, Rob alluded to earlier when he said that it was a big mistake actually separating them you know, with two separate installs. If this was just an option on a menu in 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 Resident Evil Three Remake, it would just it would just easily be in in many ways dismissed as like Resident Evil 3's multiplayer mode. You know, no one looks at the you know um, mercenaries in Resident Evil Five and think, is it canon that Chris teamed up with Wesker and fought a load of Magini in Kajuju? You know, no one looks at the canonicity of that. You know, no no one looks at Operation Raccoon City's um so, you know heroes mode. And goes at some point, you know, did Leon, Claire, Jill, and Carlos meet up and battle Nighthawk, Ada, you know, Nikolai, and Hunk, you know, or whatever? That just didn't happen. I was going to say that's exactly the same thing here. I think it's pretty hard stretch to say. Obviously, Jill met these random four people, whoever they are, and teamed together to, to defeat people in a test thing during the fall of Raccoon City or before the fall of Raccoon City. It's clearly, it's clearly a non-canon what if concept, but then people would take putting too much weight into every little Easter egg or character or whatever in it when clearly it's pretty it should be pretty obvious that it shouldn't be the case. Like as far yeah. as I'm concerned, clearly this isn't a, a, a what this is more of a what if scenario than a what was scenario. Mm. I mean, you know, did did Alex Wesker exist in this time? Yes. Did Spencer exist in this time? Yes. So they're alive and there's a potential for this happening. But it didn't happen. It's just, it's just a can, you know. It, there's canon ideas in, it, and it's presented in a non-canon way. It's just meant to be a fun multiplayer experience. Everybody, that's literally all it is. Yeah, and it can't be Tifobos experiments anyway, because Tifo, I think, as Batman said, Tifobos was an accidental discovery almost that was discovered much, probably much later on, because you then used the island in Revelations two to test that. So it wouldn't make any sense now. Uh, it also doesn't make sense why Umbrella have called them Lickers because they were named Lickers by David Ford. You know, you see, there's been a couple of murky quotes from uh, um, our delightful Peter Fabiano, yeah. who who basically said, you know, aspects of Resistance are canon, and that was misinterpreted by various members of the community as like, you know, actually happening within the canon. And I think I think what he meant to say, you know, I don't want to speak for him. But how I interpreted was that, again, you know, Alex Wesker is canon. She exists within the timeline, but she doesn't exist within this capacity within the timeline. They've used her as a function, in a sense, for the multiplayer to exist. I think if you wanted to stretch that thing further, you could probably easily go, Alex Wesker, Alex Wesker probably tested on people at some point, you know, because she clearly did in the background of later games. Mm. So again, you could argue that maybe not this happened, but a, a concept where she imprisoned some people and used them for test subjects probably did happen in a canon concept. But in this fashion, in the way that this game unfolds, not that way. Yeah. You know, again, this comes to a slippery slope. I think it's just much easier to just be like, this is a wholly non-canon side online game and making statements like some elements are canon is a muddy thing yeah. I mean, it's yeah, not, it, it doesn't help yeah. it, it would be much easier just to not say that I, I don't want to turn Fabiano into the what's the what's the guy's name the silent who uh Tom Hewitt you know I don't want to turn you know Fabiano into the to the target of Tom Hewitt levels of like you ruined the franchise because it's not true that's not true at all but like I think he needs to be thinking about what he's saying in the scheme of what where these games are placed because it's it's not helping the acceptance of yeah. remakes and this content. 
I totally agree. And I just think it almost smacks of just trying to get, you know, make make the game universally appeal to to the, mm. you know, to, to us and maybe people that, that that just sort of pick the game up more lightly and, and, and just to, you know, frankly, you know, just to increase sales, uh, to try and make it all things to all people. Chill, you know, just maybe no, just accept and be confident in the game. Like Sean says, it's just a fun multiplayer game. It doesn't have to be canon. We have our mainline and extended universe titles for that. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think comments like that help at all we'll we'll see how it goes it's whether like someone like fabron or uh january or valerie they they get drawn into the canon in the future that will then raise some questions but i think sean's probably got it right it'd almost be like what star wars do with the legends versus canon so something like resistance would be a legends item of something that may have happened that particular idea is plucked from a non-canon material and made canon but it doesn't mean that everything that that person came from is canon. You know, if Valerie was to become canon, it doesn't mean that she went through what you play through as her. It just means that she existed in Raccoon City within, as an individual character. And you can play as her in a non-canon game. And it gets then it gets back to the point, like if someone like that is then deemed canon, well, does the background lore of Resistance that they've put in the bios, does that become canon? It's going to be quite difficult, and it'll be, it'll be a bit picky and choosy again, uh, and that's never a good place to be in, so we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that and see how it unfolds in the long run. Dr. Wesker wants your fear. They want your flesh. I do not give a fuck. I do want to end on, uh, and end on some positivity, though, because some of the environments that they've used are quite interesting, and some of the new locations, the kind of maps, if you like, again... There should be a lot of scope for a lot more, a lot more areas to explore. So why we haven't got the Spencer Mansion yet, I don't know. Why we haven't got the RPD, I don't know. Nick, this goes back to something that George Trivel also kind of alluded to in a roundabout way, not not in this, but it's like Umbrella Corps had at least had like some invoking environments of past games, and they have decided not to do that with Resistance, which has been quite surprising. I don't know if that's because of how Umbrella Corps went, but. I'm quite I'm quite surprised that they haven't considered the same thing. To be honest, it's been that's probably been the biggest surprise. And even you know, there's limited elements that they could just take directly from t- remake two and three that they haven't really fully tapped into as well. Yeah, I I asked the other night why why you know when Nikolai dropped as a content update why why weren't hunters put in the game why why have they not put the hunter beaters in yet. That could be that could be a card deploy, surely. The work's already been done for their mechanics, so all you're doing is putting it in, in resistance. It seems it seems odd. And again, you know, the whole RPD is beautifully realised already. You know, it's a big enough map. You could easily just have ground floor, top floor, couple of rooms, just do the east wing or west wing. You know, it'd be it'd be it's already done, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've only got to put a few items on a few move desks to sort of gate the way through the through the map, um, the same way they have done through the casino or whatever. You know, the casino has um, very open rooms, but what they've done is they've used like um, you know furniture and whatnot placed in strategic ways to to navigate you through it the way they want, and that would be very very easy to do. You know, from the main hall into the west office, you know, and whatnot. It would be very easy. It just seems odd. But the locations we do get, we have an umbrella facility which is very much modelled on uh, Nest 
two, Nest two, yeah, Nest two is kind of like uh, upper levels, isn't it? With the with all the cages, it's not quite, mm. it's not quite the same, but it's got that kind of aesthetic and feeling with the kind of lifts that keep you know go up and down, and it's got the the kind of yellow tape and God knows what. I don't find that one particularly interesting, but a lot of the others are a bit more interesting. Like the there's like the the casino. Which is yeah. uh, invokes the the kind of Revelations Casino, which I thought was quite cool. No matter what environment you get, and there's also a remixed version of the Uptown Downtown areas from Resident Evil Three Remake. The objectives always stay the same in each of the three levels. Absolutely, and and that's, um, that's got to be the a fundamental failing is that you always got to collect the three keys and what not to complete the boss. I think, you know, three puzzle pieces to unlock the door. You've then got to, you know, kill the, get the bio orbs or whatever you've got to do and destroy them. And it, that gets a bit repetitive when you're, when you're going from different map to map or level to level within the same map. Yeah, but a bit more variety. I mean, I can understand on the face of, like, for consistency that it's going to make it easier for playing, say, with new people when they don't... Yeah, it's kind of one of those difficult things. I will give them credit. You know, they've done they've done two remix remix maps now. They've done the um the remixed uptown map and they've done the um, remixed amusement park museum map. Yeah. And they've done such extensive work on them that they actually feel like new maps entirely. You know, you, you can see enough of the old map within them, but they do play substantially differently. And, and you know, and that's to its credit. But the fact that the objectives are the same it, it does lead to extremely repetitive gameplay. And some people can play this kind of game all night for hours and hours and, and, and more power to them. I tend to find I'm good for about, you know, two or three sessions, Gen- generally the amount of time it takes to do your dailies. And then I'm kind of done with the objectives. And this is where I just sort of say, you know, the lack of ambition hurts the game a little bit because there's so much you could do within this potential. You know, I've, I've, I have even sort of sketched up a few ideas of various ways you could rework the multiplayer in uh, resistance you know like one of the ideas was like a gauntlet that i had where you know the survivors start in one section the mastermind has to strategically position bow's and whatnot and the survivors have to get from like a to b but but if a survivor gets killed they don't respawn until the next round so it would it would be a really clever way of like you know making the making the survivors work together more because you only get one life until the next round starts. You know, just just little things like that. But the fact that it, every game is is like keys, security guard, terminals, bio cores, every single time, it it does give the game an unfortunate lifespan, which I don't think will exist will last forever. Some people will disagree with me on that because multiplayer gaming is a very very subjective thing. Aaron, did you want to comment on any of the of the maps? Do you have a particular favourite? I like the downtown map because of how it's laid out and stuff, because you actually are on the streets of Raccoon City, and you can get a look around and stuff, but it was also on that map that I found um, the Birkin family photo and Chief Irons. Ah. Yeah, I found them and (laughs) shared them on Twitter, and Al Yang's like, "Uh uh-oh, thanks for pointing this out, and next thing you know, they updated the maps and changed it, and the Birkin family photo is no longer there. I was the only one that pointed it out, too. Because if people actually took their time going through the maps, they will find so many interesting details and items and stuff, and maybe even hidden Easter eggs that they intentionally put in there for people to find. But since everybody wants to rush, you don't get to see this stuff. The only time you actually get to see it is if you're playing like on practice mode, where you can take your own time, set your own pace to it, and just look around at all the details. 
So why did why why do they remove the uh, image of the of, of the Birkin family photo? Because it was out of place and it was in the front office there, sitting on the counter, like, oh, look, a Birkin family photo. I didn't know the Birkins worked at this warehouse. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, okay, that's nice. Did they replace it with something, or they just took it out? Yeah, they replaced it with another photo of an older man. I think it's like probably early 1900s, holding something. I forget if it was like a basket or something. I have screenshots of it if you guys want to see it. And from what I was told, they removed Chief Irons and replaced him with something else, or his chair's empty. Because in that same map, if you go to the office where the one one ATM machine like thingy is, where you have to run the key card and the code, in the office there, there's a body sitting in the chair slumped over. And if you play as the mastermind, you could get a closer look at it if you uh, control a zombie. And it's Chief Irons. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I remember that now. Yeah, so I Ar- got screenshots of that too. <laughs> so, Aaron, you, you've been directly contributing to this game. Uh, yeah. yeah. One way or another. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. All right. There is a lot of neat um, Easter eggs that that stretch far and wide within Capcom's works. I mean, I I tweeted Al Yang a few nights ago because there's one poster in the new rework um, amusement park museum map which has Edward Falcon from Power Stone, if anybody remembers that, Anacharis from Darkstalkers, and there's a big caption that says Turbulent Wind, which is a character in um, Street Fighter V called Rashid. Who is and his full name is Rashid of the Turbulent Wind. So uh, you know that's that's really neat. And you showed that on your live stream too. Yeah, he he gave me a, he gave me he gave me a kudos for that <laughs> on Twitter. Up. A thumbs up. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, but there's lots of these in the game. I mean, you know, e- very very eagle-eyed people will notice the Baker Estate on a, a poster for a mold cleaning company. Yes, um, I saw, I saw that. That is not canon. It's not canon, guys. Calm the fuck down. Just Easter eggs. Just Easter yeah. eggs. I'm pleased to say we've actually had a call in. Uh, this has come in from one of our uh, supporters. Um, this is coming from Charlie Soundhouse. So uh, let's hear what he has to say. Hi, gang. So Little Birdie has told me that you're doing an episode in review of Capcom's most impressive feat, making a multiplayer game even less fun than Umbrella Corps. And just like Umbrella Corps, this was so, so close to being yet another free pass for Capcom to sail into largely undeserved mainstream appeal yet again as they had done so before with Resident Evil 4 and somehow even the RE2 remake. It's pretty amazing that it's a viable business model for Capcom to just shit all over their own IP for a while before seemingly accidentally hitting a goldmine, bringing in millions of new customers who will never ever play anything else in the series. There's a few too many parallels between Resident Evil and Sonic in that regard, but at least we get rewarded with an RE7 or a Revelations after getting beat over the head by an ORC or an Umbrella Corps. But I think that after remaking Zero, it was a real turning point. We could just have easily have ended up the same way that Sega is, just waiting for the biannual Capcom embarrassment to come out so we can argue things are good. But luckily, things aren't that way, and we've got a mostly thriving series. I say mostly. I've gone almost an entire paragraph, thankfully, without saying the dirty word, so now I'll stop putting it off. Resistance is a decent game, but it's the result of a frankly embarrassing amount of amateurish mistakes. The game as it stands right now, especially on PC, is woefully unbalanced and you can predict with near 100% accuracy whether you're going to win or not. 
you're either against a level 4 mastermind who's too busy removing crayons from themselves to lock any doors, or a level 306 Nikolai who can't leave his house at night because the sight of anything stars related triggers him too much and there is genuinely no in between. I have some very, very incredibly basic game design knowledge, but it doesn't take a genius to tell you that players with single digit levels shouldn't be up against world famous pro gamer masterminds who eat them for breakfast. This could be incredibly, incredibly easily solved by a skill based matchmaking system, which I genuinely think is probably included with most online server hosts. Capcom's main issue with skill based matchmaking is that there's nowhere near enough people who care about the game or play it, especially on PC where online only live service bollocks like this usually thrives. Which brings us to the second comical misstep. Why even include it with Resident Evil 3? People who want to play the fun online Resident Evil game aren't going to buy a story game they don't like just to get a taste of it, because Resistance sadly isn't worth the price of a full box game. And people who care about classic Resident Evil, or even Remake 2, care about scary single player experiences. So why on earth would they care about the freebie online component you've tacked on? They didn't care when it was a paid add-on for Resident Evil 5 as versus mode and they're not going to care now. Resistance should go free to play and back itself toward towards a more lucrative cosmetics only loot box system. Having to ostensibly pay for a game and then pay for in-game upgrades when the game is already impossible for new players with the gods on the other side of the screen is just about the worst possible thing they could do. I wouldn't care if I had to pay 10 euros for a bright pink nemesis jacket or a shotgun mounted Bobby Charlton. I'd feel okay doing it because I want to look good when I play those epic close games and record the hilarious clips of me getting crushed in a corner. But right now I don't really care how I look when I'm getting pushed from floor trap to liquor like a dog chew toy and then i can't help but laugh at the implication that i should spend more money on this game to have a chance to get a burgundy jacket for samuel instead of a blue one it's ridiculous in short go the league of legends route let everyone play for free cross-platform would be incredible but i know it is kind of hard to get going and then just bleed all the money from people stupid enough to want to pay 100 euros to put a pretty cute tiara on mr x it's tainted by original sin in the same way that RE3 was. They've replaced innovation for innovation's sake with just doing absolutely nothing. The only thing that Resistance and RE3 double team brought to the table was be the first game in the series to retroactively make the game before it look lazier, and in a series where every installment makes the previous one better, that's the real achievement. <laughs> I could let you leave. I will not, but I could. That was a brilliant call. That was... A fabulous call in. Thank you, uh, thank you, Charlie, for that. Um, it almost reminded me of uh, zero punctuation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was going off like that. <laughs> I have to say, he made some very good points, particularly at the beginning, in terms of where the where the game fits in the series and 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 sort of what it you know what it does to the integrity of the series. And I was kind of laughing out loud, but at the same time crying a bit inside. You know. <laughs> You're, 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 you know, particularly that point about you know beating us about the head, but then you know occasionally in between each one of those those assaults, we're getting a revelations two on RE seven. He made some very astute points. That was that was a very good call. It was, and he makes some really good points we haven't touched upon as well about some of the cosmetics in this game. I mean, because I, I almost didn't want to speak about it because it's absolutely horrendous. The some of the costumes and some of the add-ons that you can buy. I say buy, you get the points within the game, so they're not forcing you, but I mean, they're, they're hideous. Some of yeah. them, the zombies look like, you know, superheroes wandering around. It's just... We haven't talk, talked about the, the loot system, mm. and although it's it, it's all in-game, um, yeah, the, the cosmetic chest that you can open um, is for 500 in-game... Uh, sorry, 50,000 in-game currency points, and can give you anything random from a survivor skin 
all the way up to a uh, character individual spray. And there's something like over 150 sprays now. There's no rhyme or reason as to what you're going to get when you hit that unlock button. And, you know, you can get a skin for a character or you can get... 20 sprays in a row and some of the zombie skins as you've alluded to guys are are ridiculous they vary from gingerbread men to as you like to affectionately call it barney the dinosaur uh yeah i mean i I couldn't believe it i I came into your stream the other night stars Mm. i saw these yeah barney's running around the screen and (laughs) (laughs) and i just actually then suddenly think is it is this game you know did they initially go down a quite a a sensible road of of trying to maybe test the water for for an outbreak and 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 try and and have a slightly more serious tone to it and then they've kind of further down the line they've just almost this game's just become like a parody of itself and they just thought you know just fuck it let's just you know, let's just throw everything at it. That is unfortunately it, uh, GT. The problem is the game is made for today's meme generation. And um, it's a bit soul-destroying when you love something as much as we do. You know, I've been in in games where, like, we're waiting for the final um, door to open and I've literally got, you know, we've got, like, a dancing Mr. X or whatever and survivors hip-thrusting him as we wait for the door to unlock and i just think you know has resident evil really come to this yeah, you know, this yeah, is a series yeah. that was once about being absolutely fucking terrified of like what was lurking in the darkness you know the the, the jump scares used to be horrific what you know i'm gonna open a door and i've got no bullets i've got a knife there could be three hunters on the other side of this door and i know i'm not gonna survive it and literally we've got hip thrusting survivors and a dancing tyrant, and I just think it's, it's it's kind of moved away from what we initially used to love about this series. You know, it is it's a little bit soul destroying, and it's very sad. And look, we all know the people in the kind of the community that may have and still do taken the series far too seriously. I really like to think that the people on this podcast and the people that we've had on this podcast, you know, we strike a fair balance sort of in in the middle. You know, we try not to take the series too seriously, but at the same time, you know, because of the way that that, that we're attached to it and we've engaged with it, we we do want to see it have a you know capcom treat it with a certain level of integrity and just what you were knowing the sort of fan that you are stars and you don't by any means take this seriously too seriously imagining you in at that point you just said you know waiting for the door to open and looking around you and and this is what's become of your, your <laughs> yeah. it, it's sad it, it really is and, and and the thing is you know i know i'm old in the tooth when it, when it comes to this fandom now and I, I you know and i know how like modern gaming is and i don't want to be that old stickler that waves my walking stick around saying you fucking youngsters don't know what it was like and all that but at, at risk of of being that kind of person it's just it's, it's just hard well look, just sean just quick have another look at those sales figures for re7 yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah. how how would you, you how would you sum up then in terms of your review we'll quickly go through everyone's comments on review um and then we'll we'll bring it bring this podcast to a close but again i say thanks to charlie for that call it's really good uh really insightful and uh i've always maintained from the first time i played it that resistance is founded on a solid idea but there's been there's been a problem that's occurred ever since its its initial um you know reveal that's either as i said at the very beginning either been a lack of ambition or a lack of budget now we've all spoken to Al Liang a little bit on the internet. Uh, he's very open on Twitter. He's very approachable. He, you know, he responds to a lot of folks, and I know his passion for Capcom is 
is, is pretty high. You know, he puts some obscure references. So I don't necessarily think the ambition's a problem. I think they've, they, they've probably got some really strong ideas that they probably want to bring, you know, in, into reality. So does that mean it's not being funded properly? And I just, I genuinely don't know where the disparity begins because there is so many, so much potential for this kind of idea to exist within the Resident Evil universe. And you only have to go on a forum or Twitter or anything like that to see all the ideas that people come up with. You know, Wesker Mastermind in the Spencer Mansion with the four stars members. Take the gameplay, adapt it, refit it, make it work, and you've got incredible. You know, you've got you know. Imagine a you know, imagine a multiplayer game where Chris, Jill, Barry, and Rebecca are, are playing together, and with Wesker as a mastermind. I know it's not canon; it doesn't have to be canon, but it, it would be the most joyous gift you could give to the Resident Evil community, couldn't it? Though, you know, let's be honest. You know, and and to yeah. see like the mechanics are in place, you can do that, and to just n- them not seize it, it's just. It's sad, and instead we get generic maps that you can't piece together. They're based on real locations, but you're never running around an actual game location. You know, even though we've had two full, you know, re, you know, re engine games in two make and three make, you don't actually go around any of those locations in in Resistance. It all just feels a bit empty and a bit half baked. There's so many, so much potential. Do I put the blame at the developer? Do I put the blame at Al Yang? I actually don't in this case because I think through his Easter eggs, through the things that they they put in the skills, and I, I think there's ambition there to really want to push this. They put Alex Wesker and Spencer as playable characters. They put Jill in the game. They've made outbreak references. There's a clear love for the lore and the world they're building this game within. You know, you don't put an outbreak reference in there unless you know what you're doing. But there's certainly a disconnect. There's a lack of sort of wanting to really go for it. You know, it's funny because Resistance originally turned up as Project Resistance. And at that point, it seemed like it was going to be its own title, its own sort of thing. And then the the reaction to the beta was quite poor. I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's many people that would, would disagree with that. And then the next thing we know, it's been bundled into Resident Evil 3. Was that reactionary to the feedback from the beta? I don't think we'll ever truly know. I would always be, I would love to sort of quiz Al Yang, and I'm almost certain he wouldn't be able to tell us whether like Resistance was originally going to be like a fully fledged title. There's potential in this game, but that almost seems, whether it's through budget or a lack of ambition, a reluctance to really make it exceed in the way it can do and that's the way that's that's how i'm going to bow out on my review it's like there's a good idea let it let it be what it can be but as long as it's held back resistance will just unfortunately be that multiplayer mode on the resident evil 3 remake disc i agreed there's nothing much more to add that was fantastic review i think that and and fair as well that stars gave the only thing i'd kind of add to that he asked a good question as to whether uh it's sort of ambition or you know it it started from a very good sort of concept the game and i agree with him there's more than enough evidence to suggest that that our yang had that ambition and had that desire you know not wanting to sort of be overly judgmental when we won't know what goes on behind the scenes i i would suggest perhaps it's more to do with with finance and the support or lack of it that Ao Yang got because listening to stars, it would just sounded so 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 familiar listening to stars talk about Ao Yang's experience and and thinking back to Andrew Santos and how he was a, just like us a huge fan of the games 
and really wanted to strive to to to, to make a game that existed within Raccoon City and just repeatedly was just let down in terms of the support that he got. Uh, and, and so, you know, the game just completely broke down, whereas the initial concept was was fantastic. Um, through lack of financial support, the finished product w- was just very weak. Thanks, George. Uh, Oracle? Stars yes. made a lot of good points and stuff. And I thought, when I first played the beta and stuff, I thought, oh, this is going to be a good game. It's nicely paced. You're not rushing or everything. But nowadays, everybody wants to just rush through it to get those points and get those skins. And it doesn't feel like it used to be, where you could just walk around and explore, fight a few zombies, and that's it. Nowadays, everybody wants to rush. This doesn't give you a chance to look around and explore. And then you got to deal with masterminds spamming the BOWs in one room. They have some things to fix and stuff, but all in all, I think it's a good game as long as it's paced out properly. To be honest, I think at the end of the day, for me, Resistance is a... A concept idea that uh, probably should have been wrapped more into the main game, should have been cl- clarified as more of a what-if, non-canon event. And I think there's some great ideas on there, but it's just not well executed. And I think the player base and the, the fact that I've seen so many people say, oh, I didn't even bother installing it, probably belies how many people were actually playing it. And then you add the elements of how the sales for Remake of 3 has been. I, I think, unfortunately, it's going to be something that probably doesn't have long legs. And if you try and log in and probably, I don't know, six months to a year from now, you're probably going to struggle on certain platforms to even get games properly running, which is um, unfortunate. I think I think with some more finesse and some thought into how the rounds would work and some variety and yeah, just some some more maps and and stuff. They really early on, or or at least outlaying exactly what they're going to be doing rather than kind of keeping it a mystery for the for the foreseeable months. Um, probably would have sparked some more interest as well. So unfortunately for me, it's a it's a pretty big missed opportunity. I think there's some great concepts, but just kind of falters on the execution. Well, thank you so much. Uh, that does conclude our discussion on Resident Evil Resistance. We'll obviously keep you posted with any new news and information that comes to it. Now, and we now have time for this podcast edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. What is the worst that could happen? Oui? For the past eight years and five seasons we have brought you groundbreaking lore in-depth analysis game reviews and high quality content we've also brought you untold controversies countless tales of underhand tactics all in aid of the quiz Uh, I'd just like to announce everybody that uh, this is zero points for me this week. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. So my nomination person said seven, but I didn't agree with seven. I said it was 17, and then you said it was 17. I didn't want people to think I'm cheating by just saying the same number that someone else has said. So I just, just the next number that sounds similar to 70, 17. I swear I did not cheat, yo! <laughs> Quite frankly, if if we only got one point and that's the winning score, then we're not doing our jobs right and we're all going to have to hand in our biohazard cards. (laughs) Welcome to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Batman. 
Star Tyrants. George Trevor. Rocky the Cracker. Mr. Spencer. Biohazard Quiz. Hello and welcome to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. We want to first give a big shout out to Charlie Soundhouse for providing us with these questions as part of his benefits for signing up to Patreon. We have used them to test our quizzes. So without further ado, let's go. Question number one is a timeline question. So quite a tricky one to start. On what date was Jill and Wesker wrongly declared dead? We're going to have to cut with the month and everything. For that. Yeah, we'll probably do closest. Question number two. I really like this question. How big is the starting attaché case in Resident Evil 4 in terms of squares? That is brutal. I love it. Come on. <laughs> Fucking hell, that is brutal. Fiend. I know it. I, I know it's a round amount because it's obviously by something by something. You know. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. Something, I I, something by something. I, I think I, I think I have this. Question number three: What does Morpheus say in the uh, voice recording you have of him when you use to unlock the voice-activated lock? Can you... Yes. <laughs> question number four: you sh- This is a complicated question, but I think everyone should get the answer. The ancient Greek goddess Ramanusia who enacts retribution to those who show arrogance, lends their other name to which B.O.W.? So Raminosia has another name, and it is a B.O.W. in the series. There was clues also in the, in the, in the, in the question. Question number five is possibly my favourite ever question. I love this question. Right. Not including gold editions, dual shock editions bonus editions, whatnot. How many of the mainline console games, including remakes, have a mm. number in their title? Ooh. Yeah, English we're, titles only, no duplicates. We're not including gold editions. Not including, yes. Not including gold editions, re-releases, etc. But, but, this gets, there's a couple of tricky ones in here that I don't know if they yeah, count, even though it's, like, some for... versions have, have numbers in them. Wait, so, anyway. I'm a bit confused about the question. So, for example, with Biohazard, with Resident Evil 2, that's so that's one, yep. would, would Biohazard to value no 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 no, no so, so version there's no, no buyer has english what? titles only please yeah, english english, o- english only titles english only okay that helps yes that helps. Are, are you are you classing the remakes separate to the separate, originals yes separate remakes right, okay cool thank you no duplicates oh, that's where it becomes difficult just uh, the mainline titles right mainline titles that have numbers in them okay. uh, what i'm going to do i'm going to ask you for a number each time when we get to there so they're the five questions. Join us after this one. We'll run through those answers. Welcome to the Raccoon City Police Department. How can I help you? Hi, Susanna Taylor. I have a two o'clock appointment with Chief Brian Irons. Okay, yes, I can see this in the diary. You see that room up there? That's the chief secretary's waiting room. Head up there and she'll sign you in. Fantastic, many thanks. Hmm, um, yes, uh, how do I get up there? Oh, yeah, directions. Go through that first door in the main hall into a waiting room. 
Ignore anyone waiting there and just walk through the other door on the next. Continue along that door, watch out for drips from the ceiling. Go past the set of double doors until you get to the end of the corridor. Go through that door and take a lift and proceed to walk up the stairs one level. You getting this? Yes, yes, up the stairs, first floor. Carry on down this corridor past the oddly colored statues and the priceless ruby it holds without security. Go through the next door and down that corridor. You will then need to enter the star's office. The star's office? Surely I'm not authorized to enter that part of the building. It's okay, no one's there. They're all dead. Don't inspect the main desk though. You will find in the star's office room a unicorn medal. Pick that up and then bring it back to the main hall. What? With the unicorn medal, place it in the relief over there. The statue will move slightly and the spade key will be revealed in the bucket of water. Take the- Wait, wait, why do I need to do this? Can't I just go and get the key now? I could probably reach it if it stood on the edge. Uh, if not, I'm sure you have a copy of the unicorn medal behind the desk that I can use. Clearly, you are not a resident of Raccoon City. This is not how it works. With the spade key, walk back the entire route you just took and you can then unlock the door at the end of the corridor. Why is it locked? Well, we can't just have any Tom, Dick or Harry snooping around. This is a police precinct, madam. You have literally just told me to go into the elite police branch's office and find a hidden medal. This makes no- In this new corridor, take the only door available and you're then in our library. Yeah, of course I am. Stay on the same level and exit the library and you will be on the balcony above. Walk around and enter into the waiting room. Simple. Incredible. Thank you. And when I finish my meeting, do I have to conquer this entire building again? No, don't be silly. Head back over the balcony and you can use our 15-foot emergency evacuation ladder. Perfectly safe. I have to say this is absolutely ridiculous. I will be speaking with the chief about this. Mark my words. Now, before I go, can you point me in the direction of the nearest bathroom? Um... For the love of... So I hope everyone enjoyed that interlude. So a big thanks to uh, our Discord member Mako there for recording that for us. Uh, more of that to come in the future. So question number one, let's see how well everyone has done, was a timeline question on what date was Jill and Wesker wrongly declared dead? We'll start with Stars Tyrant for this one. I just went for a guess. September 16th, 2006. September 16th, 2006. Okay, Rombi. Only near the year, October, uh, not October, uh, 2006, but I was going to say October 7th, 2006. October 7th. Uh, George Trevor? Again, I only knew 2006. I knew it was going to be the end, so I just went with December. Any date? The Christmas Day. The 25th, Christmas Day. I don't know. Oracle Dragon? Oh, I'm probably way off. <laughs> I thought it's uh, April 5th, 2003. Oh, I don't know. It's the 23rd of November, 2006. So everyone was right. We've had September, October, December. So we all completely bypassed the month there. So no points, I'm afraid. Question number two. How big is the starting attache in Resident Evil 4 in terms of squares? George Trevor, Maybe you're looking at a number by number. So Yeah, it's just sort of like... Or the like total number of squares. Oh, I haven't got the total number of squares. <laughs> we should be able to work. Should be I should be able to work it out. Yeah. So, so when you how many how many blocks when you initially get the yes. item? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, 
I would say roughly one because each item has more than one little block, doesn't it? Like the sprays, three blocks, I think, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, things like that. So I'll quickly say because it could be all day. Forty. Forty. Okay. Oracle Dragon. Two hundred eighty-eight. Bloody hell. Two hundred and eighty-eight. Okay. One of us is going to be way off there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rombi, uh, quite confident. I think it's 60. Ten, ten, 10 by 6, I think, is what the starting case is. I'm pretty sure. 60, 60 slots. Star Siren? I actually went for um, 60 as well. 10 by 6. Is the correct answer, and it is 10 by 6 with 60. Yes, very good. Points to Stars and Rob. Very good. <laughs> Question... I must have been thinking about the bigger cases by accident. <laughs> possible. I don't know what the bigger ones are. I just remember, I just had to, th- it's because Nick said visualize it or something like that, but I and I was like, oh, I remember it being six down. And I was like, well, I'm going to guess it's 10 across. Wow. So that was a guess. I always, I always remembered you got three weapons, and each weapon took up two slots. So if you had like your pistol, your shotgun, and your rifle, that would take up of the starting attache case. Because it's 10 across, six down, isn't it? Is yeah. how I remember it. Yeah, and it would each weapon would take up. And, and, and the horizontal was just a pure guess. What does Morpheus say in the voice recording you have of him that used to unlock the voice-activated lock? Uh, Rombi, we'll start with you for this one. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't even... I, I, I haven't played the game since 2005, probably, so I have no recollections whatsoever. Not even the item. Well, what was that, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> okay, George? Sorry, I'm still counting. I love the last question. I'm still I... counting it up. Um, no, jeez. I've got no idea. I'm so gutted. I, I don't, I'm not going to get this right. I, I've got no idea. I can't believe I've, although I have to, my PlayStation 2 broke down a while ago. It's, it has been a while since I've actually played Dead Aim. I don't know. I don't know. Oracle Dragon? For thou hast obeyed my voice. Okay, Star Tyrant. Um, it's a variation. I thought it was because thou hast obeyed my voice, but it, you know, it's the same thing. Is correct. Well done, Stars and Oracle. I'm giving you both the points for that. Spot on. Wait, which which were you given, Nick? Uh, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Because thou yeah. hast. Because yeah. thou hast obeyed my voice. But spot yep. on. Well done. Well done. Question number four. The ancient Greek goddess Ramanusia, who enacted retribution and vengeance to those who showed arrogance, lends their name to, uh, other name to which B-O-W? It's very guessable. Gigi. No, I, I really haven't got a, a clue. Can you say the name of the thing again? Ramanusia. So Ramanusia is a Greek goddess. She has another name. Uh, it probably was in a file, I imagine. No, it's not. This is more, it's no, more of a... I don't, re- don't recognise the name Ramanosia at uh, all. I don't think it's no. in any game. No, it's more of a general knowledge question. But it is guessable. It's very guessable. Because there is clues in the fact that I've said retribution Whoa. and vengeance. Yeah, I've got an idea. <laughs> Come on. Look at the answer, George. The Vidugu. Vidugu. The Vidugu. Uh, yeah. Okay, Rombi. I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I, yeah, no clue. <laughs> um, start starting. Um, and initially I went Thanatos, but then you know you kept alluding to the fact that the clues there and and the fact that it's a, a goddess of vengeance and whatnot. I'm actually going to go Nemesis, and you know the vengeance is against the Stars team for the original game, so Nemesis is my answer. Okay, Oracle Dragon. Nemesis. Is correct. It is the nemesis. Yes, nemesis is the oh, goddess well of vengeance, and another name for. Oh, of course, that it has is... to be a name for a goddess. No one's yeah. called Vadu. I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> good answer. 
<laughs> okay, so question number five was uh, how many of the mainline console games, including remakes, have a number in their title? English titles only, no duplicates, e.g. Oh. different editions. So we're so, looking for a, a number. So when you say mainline, are you including, for example, were you including Survivor titles or Revelations titles? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's main console. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 console. Okay. Great. Thank, thank you for having that clarify, GT, because that was my question as well. Okay. Right. And so, for, and when you say, and when you say mainline titles, console so, games, you know, so I need a number. They, if they were referred to something else in Japan, then that doesn't count. No, no, no. No. Okay. So ignore Japanese biohazard. Right, Rob, start with you. Uh, what's what's I, your number? I, I think it's twelve. You think it's twelve? <laughs> Stars Tyrant, what's your what's your bid? Um, I had it. I had it up to ten, and then I've had an eleventh hour um, revision, and it is twelve. Because like of what I said. <laughs> You've yeah, got... yeah, it is basically yeah. Because like suddenly I went, oh my god, I've forgotten yeah, these two right. titles as well. Um, yeah, I think it's twelve, and I think Rob's absolutely spot on. Yeah, yeah. I wish you'd ask me first because everyone's going to accuse me. Of I, had, now. I, I literally you just get this out the way. I'm my answer is twelve as well. Your answer is 12. the, re- the yeah. reason why I had a, the reason why I had a delay is because I literally ran to my shelf and was like, "Shit!" <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 oh, wait, are you allowed to reference your shelf? That's almost the same as Google. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, shelf gate. Oracle Dragon, what's your what's your submission? <laughs> 11 you've gone for 11 have you okay right i won't tell you, you. get me to count as, as for, i can always hear the people in in, in your discord saying like, i cheated do you want to go with me first so i can count them up well we can all do it together we, we've all you've all bit most of you bid 12 but go on then george yeah. go on take us through it and i'll tell you if well, you're you've right because you've got resident evil 2 3 4 5 6 7 Mm-hmm. So that that's I'm counting it up on my fingers now. You've then got zero, which I almost missed out. Very good. Yeah. Um, you've then got the two remake. This is why I got confused. You know what yeah. counts as a remake or not? But then you've got the two and three remakes. Yes. Um, we're we're on nine. Where I almost came to an end, and then I remembered Gun Survivor two, mm. which takes it ten. I think ten. ten yeah. yeah. And then wait, there's two more. Um, I counted up two more because obviously the Biohazard Gun Survivor 4 doesn't count. Correct. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, sorry. Revelations 2. Yes. I think that was it. <laughs> I have counted 12, haven't I? <laughs> Rob's You've got 11. Oh, one, one sec, one sec. No, but then I'll go with 11. If I can't name it, I'll go with 11. One sec. Um, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The extra ones that came, came up was. You know, and obviously, Gun Survivor 4, we're not counting. Um, Revelations 2. I fucked up. I meant to say 13. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, maybe I'm on eleven then. Maybe I'm. I fucking tonight. meant to say thirteen, bastard. Ah, it's good. Okay, Rob, what's the what's? I, I, what's, what's, what's I'm what's definitely that's... not going up. The most I got to was twelve. Maybe it was eleven. Twelve. That's the twelve one. Outbreak file. Oh yeah, two. no, that yes, I knew. Um, I'd counted that outbreak two because yeah, no. outbreak file two. Yeah, because it actually doesn't it have like two lines on the. On it the says file. So it says file two. No, I got outbreak. Yeah. So that... file one, it, people often refer refer to outbreak file one as one, but it's not. It's, it's it not correct. Yeah, so, you know, so... I'm on twelve. I mean, I, I if thirteen is the right answer, I've not got that. I only have well, twelve. Well, we've got the twelve uh, from Rob and from GTE there, what? but the correct answer is thirteen. What's the thirteenth? It's three DS, isn't it? Three DS. <laughs> Oh no, no, that's the, no. Wait a minute, that's the name of the console. No, no, no it's Merck's Merc 3D. Merck's 3D. Yes. So no. Points. Yeah, I just realized, as soon as as soon as as soon as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, I know which one I've missed. <laughs> 
Right, okay, this is no word of a lie. I had the whole a whole games written out on a piece of paper and as George went through them I ticked them off and then there was a disparity when I saw there was three left and he went, I've got eleven or, or whatever and I was like, oh, fucking hell. I've got it wrong then when I said twelve, fucking hell there's thirteen. This was that what was fiendish. That was fiendish. Fiendish, it was a good question. So the correct answer was well, the name was zero even count because it's not an actual zero, it's just the word zero. It's actually the word zero, you're right. Mm, yeah. Well, on the artwork, it's still zero. So. Oh. Wait, sorry, can uh, I just ask... Let me run to a shelf, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what is the 3DS game? Sorry, not Deadly Silence. Mercenaries 3D. Oh, Mercenaries 3D. Oh, fucking hell, that is so out of order. There we go. I don't so, even know if that counts. It does, it does. It was 13, so let's have a look at the cool. final scores. So so fiendish, it was great. Oh, it's a wonderful question. So sadly, do, did, did anyone actually score for the question five? Then, no. Sorry, so no one, no not points. Really, no, no one already got it. Got it. <laughs> even though, I, even though I revised it to, even though I revised it to thirteen at the eleventh hour. No, on, I think if Sean yeah. honestly got that himself, he deserves it. If you generally, if you came up with no, I didn't. Uh, I, I got it by running to a shelf and checking. Oh, it was no. not. A, it was not general knowledge. There we go. So there we go. So let's have a look at the final scores. Sadly, to score this edition is George who's zero. zero. Uh, <laughs> Rob just with a solitary point. Um, Oracle Dragon very good with two points, but this podcast winner it's Stars Tyrant with three. <laughs> oh, well done. So fabulous. Oh, that concludes the podcast. So thank you, Charlie, for those brilliant <laughs> questions. Um, <laughs> you It's not it wasn't me, I'm telling you. It that wasn't. Was, that was me, but I'm, I've had a great time. I'm not it's twenty to one. I was I I, went, I was up to that kills fast. <laughs> Join us next time where we'll have some more questions. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us for uh, this podcast. We've had, we've had fun. We had lots of news. We've dissected Resident Evil Resistance, and we've had a good little fun quiz as well at the end. Coming up next, not sure at the moment. We've got s- some things lined up, which we'll um, we'll hopefully be able to share with you a bit later on. We've got something in the pipeline, but. On that note, I'd like to thank Oracle Dragon for joining us today as well, but I will say thank you everyone for listening. It's goodbye for me, Neptune. Goodbye for me, Star Tyrant. Goodbye for me, Rombi. Goodbye for me, George Trevor. Farewell and adieu from the Oracle Dragon. Time to end this, do you not think?